and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Hagman. It is Monday, August seventh, twenty seventeen. That's right. I'm back. I'm back in the driver's seat, of course. Uh, uh, Joe has a scheduled night off tonight. I'm taking over for uh, Joe this evening, and uh, just ready. Just just ready to hit the ground running. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. At the bottom of the hour, Michael Snyder, Economic Collapse blog, and also the uh, candidate for U.S. House of Representatives, First District in Idaho, going to be coming on. Talk about uh, you talk about a, a, just an intelligent man. And of course, at the top of the third hour, Peter Barry Chauka. Now you'd have to be not paying attention. To, uh, to not see what Peter Berichaka has written for the Hagman Report for American Thinker, um, as it relates to the war against the conservative media. That's what's taking place. That's what's really important, um, that Peter is going to be talking about this evening. And, and of course, this, when you look at the events that are, that are taking place, that the war, the soft coup, the brewing revolution, the brewing civil war, the unrest, the, 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 I'm going to tell you right now, nothing that we're seeing take place right now to me is happening by accident. It was planned. It was planned by the previous regime, by the Obama regime. If you think back to I believe it was January 12th when Obama signed the revision of Executive Order 12333. Think back to that day. I'm, I might have, I might be off by a week or so, but that extended the NSA surveillance abilities, and it uh, widened the agencies from three to sixteen. The entirety of the surveillance uh, industry. To, to get their mitts on information that was otherwise restricted. And you look at that, you look at, uh, right before that, Clapper signing off and Brennan signing off in, uh, the agreement with, uh, by Susan Rice, the National Security Advisor. It, it just really stinks to high heaven to see where we, where we stand today and as we stand today. Uh, in terms of the unmasking. Now, I also have a special surprise for you as well. Riding shotgun for this first half hour with me is, is of course, my daughter, Jackie Hagman. She's also the administrative assistant for the Hagman Report. She takes care of a lot of stuff in the office. Jackie, come on, say hello. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, isn't she lovely? And as a matter of fact, as I mentioned last week, but I'm going to mention this again, Eric the Tech and Jackie are engaged, and they're going to be married. So, you know, the studio audience, yes, yes, 
all everyone in the studio let's give, give give a hand for uh eric the tech and jackie I, I couldn't think of a better man for jackie and i certainly couldn't think of a better lady for eric the tech so congratulations to them both look at him he's blushing over there he should mic up and uh and at least you know say yeah yeah but um so they're uh they're planning a fall wedding and uh it's going to be fun, and we kind of kept that under wraps. So, you know, it's 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 going to be really interesting. But I, I wanted to wish both of them congratulations, and make the formal announcement today. So, congratulations, my dear. And my my daughter, my daughter, she's my youngest daughter. My baby, my baby, leaving the nest. Well, she's she's left the nest, but baby of the family. Yeah, you know. A t- that'll be wiping a tear from his eye, you know that, right? But it's it's good that uh, it's good that uh, when I, when I look at my daughter, I, I can see what a classy young lady she's developed into. Uh, unlike what we see with many of the people in her age group, although she's getting old, you know, but uh, older, I should say. But so I'm I'm proud of her. But but she she does a lot of the administrative work here. Uh, and I thank her for that. And of course, uh, Eric the Tech does so much work. But, but the bottom line is, uh, uh, she, she really is an asset to the organization. So when you help, when you help us, you help her and you help, you help feed families. John Robertson arrived, by the way, I'll, I'm, some house cleaning here. John Robertson arrived from the West Coast this past weekend. And he's, he hit the ground running today. So, um, which is part of the reasons why Joe is scheduled scheduled off today because John is in, and uh, it's just really been a hugely busy day, as you can imagine. So everything's going well, and uh, tonight's show is going to be just a powerful, power-packed, information-packed show. Um, before we get started, I want to mention that portions of nice broadcast are brought to you by Pro Flowers. ProFlowers.com. You click on the mic, you type in the word Hagman. And there you take advantage of the specials, including the farm stand collection, which is just unbelievable. Uh, before we get into, into that, more on that later, I just want to touch on a few things. I did a couple of, uh, special broadcasts. I was out of, I was under the weather Friday and somewhat Saturday and said, still not a hundred percent. You know how that goes. Um, What's interesting, what I found interesting when I was, when I was doing the, the research for this show and of course the weekend shows, I found it extremely interesting that what hasn't hit the, the mainstream media. And not only that, what hasn't hit even some of the conservative media. For example, last week the ACLJ received 420 pages of documents um, from the Department of Justice. Now, this is in response to a Freedom of Information Act request initially given or initially filed with the FBI. The FBI had written the ACLJ, or Jay Sekulow, back and said, you know what, we don't have any documentation relative to the tarmac meeting between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch. None exists. Well, Jay Sekulow, the ACLJ, filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the Department of Justice. 
lo and behold. Now, this has been going on for uh, for some time, since the tarmac meeting, actually. And lo and behold, what happens? 400 pages, 420 pages of documents uh, were provided to the ACLJ. Now, this is interesting because the documents, as, as I had gone through them, and I, I touched on this during my daily show, my morning show from 9 to 10, I touched on this yesterday, I believe it was, or Saturday, and then uh, this morning. I did a special Saturday show that I'd urge everyone to listen to, and then today. But of those 420 pages, um, the what they showed is collusion between the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the media. This is incredible. Incredible information. In fact, the FBI is asking the Department of Justice and, and working with the media to create talking points. Talking points were crafted and included within the 420 pages of documentation, but there was a problem. Those talking points were fully 100% redacted. So Jay Sekulow is going to go back, file suit, and attempt to have the talking points unmasked. Now, do you think that's a crime? I, yeah. Number one, I, I, you've got perjury, um, or at the very least, a lie on behalf of James Comey by James Comey on behalf of the FBI. But even more troublesome than that, the redactions took place in, in, now listen carefully when I tell you this because this to me is extremely important. The redactions of the documents took place at the direction of the Jeff Sessions Department of Justice. Not the Loretta Lynch Department of Justice, but Jeff Sessions. The exemption listed was B5, which, which suggests it's, um, deliberative and it's uh, still in um, it's it's like a pre-decisive kind of influx status. That's the B five exemption for the FOIA. At the same time, Tom Litton from Judicial or Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. Uh, this is interesting because he he had uh, submitted back in. Uh, uh, when was this? I'm looking at my notes here. He had submitted, it was, oh, here it is, right here. This, this stems back a couple of years now. Tom, uh, uh, from Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton submitted an FOI request and ultimately filed suit, uh, to obtain the Huma Abedin emails in the Hillary Clinton emails, the dialogue between Huma Abedin and the Clinton Foundation, the donors, to see whether, you know, the, what, what was up with the donors. Here's the bottom line. Last week, while everyone was focused on the Russia narrative, uh, Judicial Watch obtained and then subsequently released 1,606 pages of documents from the U.S. Department of State that revealed the repeated use of unsecured communications 
for classified information and numerous examples of Clinton Foundation donors receiving special favors from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's staff. Bottom line, there it is. The documents themselves, by the way, included 91 email exchanges by Clinton that were not previously turned over to the State Department, bringing the known total to date of at least 530 emails that were not part of the 55,000 pages of emails that Clinton turned over to the State Department, further contradicting a statement that she made saying, well, as far as she knew, everything was turned over. Now, that's a lot of information, and those emails were, were, emails were in fact, classified at the time. So this, um, this is a lie by Hillary Clinton facilitated through the non, um, uh, shall we say, the, the non-swearing-in of Hillary Clinton during her interviews. Of course, all of the interviews were taken, none were taken under oath, and James Comey let that slide. And again, the documents were obtained. Now, now think about this, because it took two years. The documents were obtained in response to a court order from a May 5th, 2015 lawsuit filed against the State Department, and that's Judicial Watch v. U.S. Department of State, after it failed to respond to a March 18, 2015 Freedom of Information Act request. So this is how long this has taken. They slow-walked this, denied it, and then, of course, Judicial Watch sued and received 1,606 emails or pages of documents, of which 91 emails were found bringing that total to 530 emails of classified information. So this is important information to, to really understand. And um, within, and I would urge everyone to go to Judicial Watch and, and, and check the headline, Judicial Watch, Huma Abedin emails reveal transmission of classified information in Clinton Foundation donors receiving special treatment from Clinton State Department. Because within that report, it proves collusion. It proves the use, unauthorized use of unsecured communication. As a matter of fact, it shows a criminal hubris by Clinton and by Abedin, especially Abedin, um, that heretofore has not really been, been shown, at least not publicly. It also shows further and proves further the play to play, pay to play, uh, scenario by the Clinton, uh, by, by the Clinton Foundation, by Hillary Clinton, and of course Bill Clinton. And it speaks also to a number of other issues, but this is extremely important. The, um, another FOI, and I should, I shouldn't mention part of the, uh, uh, going back to the ACLJ, the 420 pages, one thing I didn't mention, I mentioned on today's show, I, I believe, but didn't mention now, was, it was revealed that Attorney General Loretta Lynch used an alias by the by the name of Elizabeth Carlyle. That's right, she used a false name, Elizabeth Carlyle, in her transmi- transmissions, email transmissions. And Elizabeth Elizabeth Carlyle is a reference, by the way, to her grandmother. It's a family name. Elizabeth is actually the middle name of Loretta Lynch. The um, Carlisle part is a, uh, a a grandmother, is a um, 
the grandmother of the Lynch family. But when you look at Elizabeth Carlyle, it's actually signed A.J. Lynch. It's, it's ridiculous. The full Freedom of Information Act pages, the 420 documents, are in PDF format at the ACLJ. But I thought that was rather interesting. And of course, the DOJ document dumped to the ACLJ on, on Clinton Lynch meaning Comey FBI lied. There's media collusion spin and illegality without any doubt whatsoever. Yet the Mueller, uh, the fact that Mueller continues his witch hunt, the fact that Mueller is ineligible based on uh, the statute 28 CFR 45.2 in the U.S. statute that would preclude him or prevent him from being an independent counsel uh, if he has any relationship with any of the witnesses or any of the participants. That alone prevents him from doing so. And yet Rosenstein and Comey, he's got this relationship. So automatically Mueller should be disqualified. Yet we see, and Peter Choke is going to be talking about this, I'm sure, and others, but we, we see the media just downplaying this. And as a matter of fact, the uh, never Trumpers and the Republicans downplaying this completely. It's just, it's just incredible. We should have a second counsel, a second independent counsel at the very least, and a federal grand jury, not the one that uh, will indict someone from the, the Donald Trump camp. And I guarantee you that federal grand jury will indict someone from the federal or uh, from, from the Donald Trump camp. I, I guarantee you, because it is very easy, given the fact that grand juries, there's no need to pre- present exculpatory evidence. In fact, none is presented. There is. It, it's a very, very charged, uh, heavily prosecution, heavily favored for the prosecution. There are no witnesses to cross-examine. The um, it is. There's only two civilized countries in the world that use grand juries: the United States and Liberia. Um, and I, and I've been a part of grand jury proceedings, both federal and state, in as in my capacity as as an investigator. And I, I can tell you this: um, it's all done in secret, and it's all done at the peril, or you know, to the peril of the uh, defendant. Or the, or the focus or the targets of the investigation. So I have no doubt in my mind that Mueller, given his, the fact that he, out of 16, out of 16 lawyers and investigators, Mueller, eight of those are Hillary Clinton supporters, donors, or have some relationship with the Clinton Foundation. Think of that. Nice stacking of the deck. That is, that's just the special counsel team. And then you've got this weighted grand jury that certainly does not represent, if, if selected from the pool within D.C., uh, jury pool does not represent the um, the, the peer uh, network of uh, Donald Trump and associates. So that's interesting. You know, Jackie, uh, on the on the light side, let's talk about something that's Wait. fun. Oh, go ahead. Okay. So you want you want to chime in on any of this? Yeah, okay. I lost you like in the first sentence <laughs> okay is Would there I... like a like a tldr version of that like a short what does that mean what is TL? too long didn't read okay see i'm learning all this new stuff okay because i'm TL, old tldl too long didn't listen okay uh, 
You know what? Don't. Well, no, you know what? I, I'm glad you asked that. Um, I don't know how to, I don't really know how to, to, to encapsulate it except to say, um, except to say you've got a couple of different entities. For example, there's a, there's an entity called the ACLJ headed by Jay Sekulow and the, uh, Judicial Watch headed by uh, another gentleman, and what they have done is they have filed for information, filed for documents, or filed for government documents about the tarmac meeting and about the Huma Abedin and Hillary Clinton emails. Two separate issues. After a long and arduous process, well, they finally both got a documents, the documents, and they were both released last week, but nobody covered it. So is that? I mean, that's the long and short of it. And within those documents, it showed criminality. It showed lies. It showed complicity with the media. It showed the fact that Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin and, and even Obama um, had broken or at least stretched, if not downright broken, the law. And it showed that the FBI had lied. So Too Short didn't listen. Too Short didn't read. Boy, that's as, you know, that, that's as short as I can make it. So, um. I'm having flashbacks to like my high school government class. Wow. It would always be like, you know, like 8.30 in the morning. No, 8 o'clock in the morning probably. And I was always too tired to listen. Like now. Well, you know, and. These bags I got under my eyes, I got in the past five minutes. Just from. So you're saying I'm I'm boring. (laughs) Wow. No. She's brutal, isn't she? Oh. But but no, but but see, okay, but this is important, I think, and I, and I think people of of and I know that you pay attention. I do know you pay attention to, to this, and and I'm glad you're you're on board to say, you know what, you should shorten this up or or explain this differently. Um, at least you do it nicer than some of the people, some of the emails we get. So, but. The, the fact of the matter is, uh, well, okay, let me ask you, on social networking, Jackie, what is the political spin on social networking, on Facebook, on Twitter? What's everyone talking about uh, when it comes to Donald Trump or when it comes to the government? What's everyone talking about on social networking right now? Um, how Donald Trump shouldn't be on social media. Okay. What else? Anything about Russia, anything about him being a bad guy or colluding or being, you know, how he, he, he well, aside from Yeah, the, uh, I mean, it's the same stuff all the time. Okay. Nothing's really changed. All right. Did you know that, that, um, that the truth, of course, is, and have you seen the, the, the truth? Have you seen any of this that I just spoke about on the social, on social networking? Any news feed about the documents released and about, you know, how Trump lied? No. Okay. Case in point. And, and see, the majority of millennials right now get their news from the social networking. And by the way, I put her on the spot. I, I, I'll, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell the audience right now. I put uh, Jackie on the spot. It was moments, sure moments before coming on air. I said, come on, sit down here. And you're going to go on air. And she's like, what? So anyway. I mean, to be fair, I don't really, like, I don't, all my information I get from either you or Joey. Right. Or 
I hate to say it, but like, you know, Twitter and. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I but mean, I mean, like, I see the bad. I see people's bad reactions before I see anything else. Like all the celebrities who freak out. But that's by design. And I'm glad you brought that up. What do you make of that? The celebrity reaction and the celebrity involvement. Uh, Does it it affect you? Does it affect me? Your your opinion of things. Does my opinion affect me? No, no. Does their opinion affect what you think of things? Um, Sometimes. Depends on what it is. Okay. I mean, I'm not... I don't know. I like to base my own opinion. Do do you... do, do you think it affects others based on based uh, on the yes. comments? Of course. I mean, celebrities have the biggest impact on of anybody in the world. Okay. All right. Can you name one example in your in your that you're thinking of, perhaps, or you, that you've seen in recent times that were? Um, I mean, be, do I? You want me to name drop a celebrity? Sure. I don't think that's a really good idea. Why not? What do you mean? Why not? Well. If if they're saying things about current events, they're a public figure. We're allowed to okay. talk about that. How about this? I'll name drop without name dropping. Okay. Okay. All right. So there is a, it's a female. All right. She is very, very, very famous. Okay. But she is married to somebody who is also very, very, very famous. Boy, that limits it, doesn't it, folks? Um, right. And she is very, very outspoken. Um, And... I don't know. It's gotten to the point where it's, like, I think it's fine to state your opinion, no matter who you are, if you're a celebrity or not, but it's gotten to the point where it's, like, excessive, and it makes me want to unfollow her on everything, and I don't know. It's really sad. Okay. And and that's an interesting reaction to have, and that's you. Have you noticed that sentiment carry over with others? Even like the like followers and such? Her followers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because everybody, I mean, I feel like nobody, obviously nobody likes Donald Trump in that realm of I gotcha. people. I got you. I'm going to hold you over for five more minutes because i got a question to ask you. Uh, one more question, and then we're going to get to uh, Michael Snyder. Folks, you're listening to the Monday, August 7th, 2017 edition of the Hagman Report. Going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, readers of end times fiction will be hard pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, our guest coming up is Michael Snyder, Economic Collapse Blog. What a great, what a great guest. He's been on before. He's also running for the United States House of Representatives, first district in Idaho. Joe's got this night off, by the way, scheduled night off. I'll be uh, taking this solo. But I want to talk to you about, uh, about something that we just, we have got a great deal on, and we found this great deal, and we're able to work this out. Uh, Pro Flowers. If you go to proflowers.com and when you click on the microphone box, you enter our code word Hagman, you're going to, I got to tell you, you will be treated to the, one of the best deals out there. And that's the farm stand collection of flowers. Now, the reason I had Jackie also stay over, uh, is to, is to, because what I did was upon notification, well, there was a, there was a, another occasion as well, but uh, I sent her flowers from pro, proflowers.com. And and what these farm stand what the farm stand flower collection is is a um, it's a it's a farmer's favorite bouquet, and it's it's a it's a fresh flowers that are the um, they're actually 
um, hand design by growers at uh, in the USA at Sun Valley Farms. They've got this exclusive assortments, always changing to reflect whatever the local blooms are in season. You know, one day it might be like eucalyptus and tulips and irises. Another day it could be, who knows, lilies and such. That means that each and every bouquet is completely unique, just like you and the recipient. And again, you go to proflowers.com. And you check out the Farm Stand Flowers collection. It's really simple to do. You click on, uh, make sure you put Hagman in the blue microphone box as the promo code. And there you can, you can order the Farm Stand Flowers, Flowers collection. But so I sent you, Jackie, uh, and I wanted you to comment on this. I sent you a bouquet to celebrate a, a couple of different occasions. I gotta ask you. You were, you didn't expect it. I, I know because I didn't tell you. The doorbell rang or there's a knock on the door. You get your flowers. Tell me. Well, first of all, I wasn't home. Oh, okay. All right. So you got home and go ahead. They were on the doorstep. A right. little pro flowers box. It wasn't little. It was a big pro flowers box. It was green and nice long box. So I took it inside, opened it, um, personalized note in there. That's right. Um, and you can personalize, right? You can personalize the note oh, that yep, you send yep, it to. Yep. At no extra cost. At no extra cost, right? Um and I opened it and there's flowers. There there was three bright orange lilies. It was very, very pretty. Um obviously there's more than that, but those are the ones that stuck out the most to me. And um it came with a vase. A very pretty clear square vase. Beautiful. Uh, and I actually had the opportunity to see it. What about the aroma? Aroma? They could, could you smell the, the blooms as you open the box? I mean, that, when I, see, when I walked in, when you had the flowers already arranged, uh, I could smell the flowers so distinctly. Um, yeah. And, I mean, they're, they were, they they're were as gorgeous. fresh as fresh can be. They're all hand picked, hand assembled. I'm not assembled, but hand, yeah. Bundled. Yeah. What's the word? And, um, yeah, it was a very, you, very pretty arrangement. What'd you think how, uh, about, about how long they lasted? Because they're guaranteed to last at least, uh, uh, what is it, at least a week. But my goodness, I, I think the last time I was at your home, I, I think you still had them in the vase. Yeah. They lasted about a week, maybe like eight or nine days. That's amazing. Cause they give you, they give you little food packets for them too. Right. You, right. uh, Put them in water, and they give you. I got two food packets, so you know you would put one in, and then after a while, you would refill it, and it, it would last. Um, but but I, I was absolutely taken aback by the quality, and, and I know that you had uh, and you had you had sent the same farm stand flowers collection. You had sent the same to your mother-in-law to be, and she was super excited, and yeah. she was home at the time, so she was able to. To receive it, and yep. they're really well boxed and, and really well done, folks. We have a very special offer for you. Actually, Pro Flowers has given this very special offer. Um, go to proflowers.com and in the blue microphone box, click on click on that and enter the word Hagman. And right now, they've got a special offer just for our listeners. You can get the Farm Stand Flowers Collection. You can get the Farm Stand Flowers Collection, which which is, again, carefully designed, hand-designed by their own growers right there in the United States, Sun Valley Farms. 
exclusive assortment, always changing to reflect whatever local blooms are in season. The the photos are on the website, but the actual bouquet will vary from the photo. And it includes, as you say, the a seasonal fresh-picked assortment of blooms, 100% U.S. grown flowers, and it ships in, a very, in the custom Pro Flowers packaging and gift box. It's it's uh, designed by the um, by the grower different by the week. It's just it's just a fabulous package. Go to go to proflowers.com. Enter in the coupon box our code Hagman. So, but Jackie, I just wanted to just wanted to tell people, you know, we do practice what we preach here at Hagman Report, and we do use Pro Flowers, and uh, and I'm glad you I'm glad you were excited and happy with the with the bouquet. But, uh, well, thanks for piping in on it. All right. You're welcome. All right. And, and, and but by the way, just tell people about, you know, about the millennial, what you see taking place. And the reason why, you know, some people will say, well, my goodness, it's, you know, who cares what celebrities think and such. They have an impact, don't they? Yeah. I mean, to a point, who does care what celebrity think, celebrities think? But... You know, they have a very, very big influence on people. Right, wrong, or different, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you can either care what they say and try to correct it, or you can ignore them and just let them influence everybody and give people the wrong idea. It's about the the stand up. You know, you should stand up and say, enough is enough. We don't care. All right, Jackie, thanks for for sitting in. All right. Congratulations, by the way. And I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that you're, uh, I'm, I'm glad you and Eric have made the announcement. So, fall wedding for Eric the Tech and Jackie, my daughter. Michael Snyder, economiccollapseblog.com. Welcome back to the show. Are you there, sir? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Thanks for your patience. And, uh, my goodness, you've got a lot going on. You're, you're a prolific author. You, you're, you're just, uh, and you're running for, uh, public office. What an incredible, uh, and by the way, people just, uh, have been begging to have you come back on, so really appreciate you doing that. Oh, I love to be on Hagman and Hagman, and you guys are actually extremely popular up here in my neck of the woods, which is North Idaho, and yeah, yeah, I, since I've been on last, I made it official on July 4th, Independence Day. My team figured that, you know, what a, what a significant day to, to announce your run. But I announced on July 4th, Independence Day, that I'm running for Congress. And so I jumped in with both feet, maybe a little naive. I didn't understand how the left would attack me. I didn't understand even how much time, effort, and energy this takes. So anyone that runs for public office, that loves liberty, that loves freedom, we should really respect what they're doing because it really is a huge sacrifice. I mean, it's one thing just to throw your name on the ballot. It's another thing to jump into this thing with both feet and try to run a winning campaign. And that's what we're, what, that's what we're doing. But it takes an incredible amount of time, effort and energy for anyone that is, that is willing to do this. Right. You know, and I think people need to understand the sacrifice that's involved. You're not running for the sake of, of running name recognition or whatever. You're running to change things. And, and that's, you know, I was looking at the, the issues that, that, that we were to, we, we can discuss tonight. And I'm thinking that perhaps one of the most important issues is the fact that you're sticking your neck out to make a change. 
you see what's wrong with the system and and you, you're hey you're you're sticking your neck out you're you're going to run for office it's going to cost you uh, i'm sure you, you you don't have a a whole bunch of um you know money uh, financial lobbyists and and such backing you so it's going to cost you some some money and some time and effort to do what you're doing and i think it's admirable oh, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, I'm I'm really putting my family on the line because so far, you know, I expected people would call me names, but I didn't expect they would call my wife names or my two-year-old daughter. They would actually use very, very bad names. I can't even say on the program here for my two-year-old daughter, Atara. So, you know, it, it it's you know a little uncomfortable being in the spotlight like this, but we. We've got to do it because what happens if we don't run? What happens to people that love that, that love the Constitution, liberty, and freedom? If we don't run, if we don't try to change things, well, we're going to end up with more establishment Republicans and Democrats, more rhinos, more globalists, and more control freaks. They're going to keep running the system if we don't do something. And so a lot of people say, well, Michael, you're, you're like Ron Paul. You want to get in there like Ron Paul. How much of a difference can you make? Well, you know, on my own, I, I believe I can make a difference, but if we get people all over the country running, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inspire people all over the nation to run on the federal, state, and local levels because we, we you know, we're building an army, one heart and one mind at a time, waking people up, getting them red-pilled. But when we do, as we do, we need to start taking ground and start taking the power structures in society, whether it's our our school system, whether it's the legal system, entertainment, whatever it is, we need to start taking these power structures away from the globalists, away from the elite, and, and putting them into the hands of people that love what our founding fathers intended. Now, our founding fathers, they put everything on the line, too. And, you know, when they when they decided to rebel against the British Empire, the rest of the world said, "You're crazy. Well, you're, you're going to stand up against the mighty British Empire, fight them, and 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 win your independence? No way." But they did. They put everything on the line. They put their lives, their livelihoods, their future, their families, everything on the line. And because they did, the United States of America exists today. And so we've got to be willing to do the same thing. Yeah, we're, we're not perfect. We we you know we don't have that that many resources. But you know what? We've got the, the, we've got the truth on our side. We've got the strongest message. We believe in what the dream of our founding fathers. And it's up to us. In every generation of Americans, there's been people that have had to stand up and fight for freedom and liberty. And now it's our turn. Amen. You know, and it's, it's something that we've got. And thank you for having the courage to do what you're doing. I mean, wow. Um, you said a mouthful. Now we're going to be getting back to, your campaign. I kind of want to close close out our time together with with the specifics of your campaign and, and what you're doing, because everything we're going to be talking about kind of segues into that. If I can start out by asking you, um, when, when John was when we were thinking about a title for tonight's show, uh, we were looking at the stock market the, and the economic impact or the economic issues. Um, what's your what's going on right now with the stock market? Because it seemed like over the weekend, every time I turned around, everyone was like clapping and cheering for twenty two thousand Dow hitting twenty two thousand, and oh, this is a great thing. What's really going on? Because you you do you write extensively. I mean, extensively at, at your economic collapse blog about really about this. So can you, can you walk us through what's going on? Yeah, today, just today, the Dow closed at a record high for the ninth 
consecutive trading session. And so we've seen record high after record high. And a lot of people out there seem to think, well, the stock market's doing well. That must mean that the economy is doing well overall. But really, and we've talked about this on a previous show, the economy has been stuck in a no-growth economy for most of the past decade, where if you look at the last 10 years, average economic growth of 1.33%, exactly equal to the 10 years during the 1930s, where they also, for those 10 years, 1.33%. And then Barack Obama was the only president in all of U.S. history to never have a single year when the economy grew by at least 3%, and he had two terms to do it. And this year, we're also going to be way below 3% for the year, it looks like. And we've, you know, starting out, we've been way under that level so far this year. So it's not because the economy has been doing well, but there's two primary reasons why the stock market has been exploding. Number one is we've seen unprecedented levels of corporate buybacks. In other words, corporations are going into the market buying their own stocks. And why they want to do this is because corporate executives, their compensation is often tied to the price of the, the, the stock, of the company's stock. So if it goes up, they make more money. And so they want to do it. Corporate executives want to do it. And then stockholders like to see their the price of their stock holdings go up. And so a lot of times these companies, not only with their profits, but they'll borrow hundreds of millions of dollars to buy back their own stock to lift their stock price. And so that's been a big part of the bubble. Number two, central banks have been going into the market for, you know, ever since the last financial crisis and literally pumping trillions upon trillions of dollars into the financial markets. For example, and it's not just the Federal Reserve. For example, the Swiss, the Swiss National Bank, which is their central bank, um, in the first three months of this year, January, February, March, they purchased more than four million shares of Apple stock. And, uh, so that was, uh, you know, that, that's just crazy. You know, of course the price of Apple is going to go up. Or the Swiss National Bank also owns more shares of uh, of uh, Facebook than Mark Zuckerberg does, publicly traded shares. So it's absolutely insane. So th- those have been the big drivers. But now we're starting to see a pullback on both of them. For example, the in, in terms of stock buybacks, corporations are already in so much debt that, they, that they're running out of uh, room to go into more debt to continue buying back their stocks. So that's it looks like that, that may start to slow down the rate of corporate buybacks. And then number two, central banks around the world are starting to, uh, in fact, the Federal Reserve, uh, Janet Yellen says, hey, I want to start rolling back uh, the Federal Reserve balance sheet, start selling some of this stuff off. And so that's going to have the exact opposite fact that inflated this bubble. It will, instead, it'll deflate the bubble. And so we're, we're, we just passed 22,000, but a lot of people believe that was an incredibly important benchmark. And, uh, because, you know, now we've gotten to this level, but already, you know, even though we had another closing record high today, in the S&P 500, 79 components of the S&P 500 are already in bear market territory. They're not just down, they're down more than 20%. And so we're starting to see all kinds of signs, and there's all kinds of warnings out there. People saying, hey, it looks like the stock market is super right for a big crash, even more than 2008. And you've got people like Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett today is sitting, his company sitting on a pile of cash that's reached nearly $100 million. So why isn't he putting this money into the market? It's because he's waiting for it to crash, and then he's going to go buy up the financial assets at greatly reduced prices. So if I'm hearing, this is planned. This is all planned. Manipulated, better stated, right? 
The- yeah, well, this stock market bubble, you know, it's it's been like we don't even have a, a legitimate market for stocks these days because, you know, with what the central banks are doing and the corporations buying back their own stock, it doesn't matter if I go in and buy a little bit of stock or you go in and buy some stock or sell some stock. But uh, legitimate price discovery has essentially been destroyed. So it's a super, super manipulated market. And really, the number one driver of creating this bubble has been the central banks. So they created this bubble, and they can also destroy it. And wouldn't it be something if, you know, now that Donald Trump's been on the office for a while, if they pop this bubble now, of course, all the fingers are going to get pointed at Trump. But Trump's actually going to have nothing to do with it. It'll be created by the central banks and then destroyed by the central banks. You know, I, I, I happened to catch uh, a couple of video clips of The View and they were talking about the good economic news with respect to job growth. And I can't remember which one of the, the, the women said, well, you cannot attribute that, any positive job growth, to Donald Trump. Yet they turn around, and, and of course, what you just mentioned, they'll blame bad economic news on Donald Trump. He would own it. So, obviously, it, but I guess that's kind of the the way it's always been, um, with incoming presidents, right? Or, or, or am I being a little bit naive on that? Well, you know, presidents always get the blame or the credit for whatever happens with the economy. But the truth is the Federal Reserve has far more to do with what's going on than anyone else. And so we need to point the finger at the uh, correct uh, 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 location because when everything falls apart again, and since 1913, when the Federal Reserve was created, we've had 18 distinct recessions and or depressions. And, and we're going to have another one. We're going to have another crisis. And when it does, we finally need people to understand, look, we need to get off this roller coaster. We need to end the Federal Reserve. We need to shut it down. You know, we remember in the aftermath of the last crisis, Ron Paul was going around and saying, you know, telling everyone, let's end the Fed. And everyone got all excited for a while, but then that subsided, you know, once the crisis kind of, kind of petered out. And, but, you know, we, once again, and that's why I'm hitting this so hard in advance so that people will understand we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve because it, it creates all these problems. It's really at the heart of our debt-based system. Okay. And now let me ask you, let's just say, I mean, you're running for Congress. Let's say you win, and we do hope you prevail uh, as a member of the House of Representatives. Are you going to demand an audit or, or, or the eradication of the Fed, the Federal Reserve? Is that your position? Yeah, well, well, a lot of people want an audit, and that's a good first step because that can show more of what is going on and rally public support for eventually shutting it down. But an audit's not nearly enough because Ultimately, we've got to get rid of the Federal Reserve because the Federal Reserve, it was created to do certain things. For example, one thing it was created to do was to create government debt. That's what central banks all over the world are created to do. And and the, the Federal Reserve has worked perfectly in that regard with since 1913, the size of the U.S. national debt has gotten more than 5,000 times larger. That's why we're nearly $20 trillion in debt because the system creates government debt. That's where our money comes from. When our money is initially created, it's created through a mechanism that creates more government debt than actually the amount of money that's created because of interest that we have to pay back. And so we need to get rid of that debt-based system and and move away from a debt-based currency because if, 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 if... 
as long as we have this system, we're going to have more government debt. And people that believe, hey, we can get rid of, we can have a balanced budget, we can get rid of all this debt without getting rid of the Federal Reserve, they don't, they actually don't understand how our system works. Yeah, and then the Federal Reserve. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but that kind of blows my mind. And it, in all honesty, I had a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that I've got this like $5 bill in my pocket and it says Federal Reserve note on it. That's a debt. That, that, that's not a, an asset. That's a debt, right? And, and I guess that really kind of blew my mind. And a lot of people don't really get that, get that whole concept. And I think that that's sad. But, uh, and you, you do a good job explaining it, but I just, I think that's part of the problem. It's a huge part of the problem. And then our currency is continually debased. Before 1913, the United States never had a consistent ongoing problem with inflation. But since 1913, of course, we've had constant inflation, and the value of our dollar has declined by about 98% since the Fed was created back then. And But we've just gotten so used to it. We're just used to, oh, we go to the stores, the prices go up every year. This is what we do. And it's been happening for so long, we think this is normal. But it's not normal. It's because it's fiat currency, which is continually being degraded by the Federal Reserve, central banking system. And unfortunately, it's not just the United States, but all over the world. Even though the whole world can't agree on anything, somehow we've gotten the entire planet to agree that central banking is the way to go. In fact, Today, more than 99% of the population of the planet lives in a country that has a central bank. And so the, the system is literally enslaving the whole world where, you know, the, 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 where the globe is, this is the biggest debt bubble in all of human history. And the whole world is drowning in debt. And it's because of the way the system was designed. And we need to understand this so that the people of the world can wake up and start demanding change, that we don't want this debt-based system, which enriches the, the top 0.1%, the elitists, the globalists, the bankers, it funnels money to the very top. That's how the system is designed. We don't want that. We need to abolish this system and rebuild it from the ground up on, on the fundamentally different principles. Amen. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly correct in this. Wow. And people really need to get a handle on this. Which, by the way, uh, the two things that happened or didn't happen, maybe, the repeal of Obamacare and replacement of Obamacare, but specifically the repeal, and then the, the, um, uh, the budget itself, the, uh, that whole morass that's taking place. How is this? How is one connected with the other? And I know that you kind of touch on this, well, more than that, in your, in, in on your, on your website, folks, uh, Michael Snyder, economic collapse blog.com. But, uh, for example, the re- repeal and replacing of Obamacare, 20%, 23, 25% of, uh, our economy, nothing happened. We've got taxes, uh, the budget coming up. Not nothing really taking place, and, and everyone goes home for the summer to 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 uh, what picnic or what? Um, what are we what are we looking at here? The collateral effect of what we did or did not see take place. Yeah, Congress is off for the entire month of August, which is just shameful. You know, they and they only work throughout the year an average of less than three days a week, which is that's something I want to change. But in the budget and Obamacare, there's a, a consistent theme here because we were told, okay, if we can just get the Republicans control the White House and the Senate and the House of Representatives, 
then we'll finally get all the changes we've been asking for. Well, we did that. We did that. And all these guys, they were campaigning. They, you know, these guys running for Congress, they said, oh, I'm conservative. I love liberty. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-gun. And, you know, I'm going to repeal Obamacare. So they use all these labels to get our votes. Then they get to Washington. And so many of them betray us over and over again. So let's talk about the budget first. Earlier this year that we had this whole big thing where there was a budget, a, a, a budget crunch and the Democrats said, give us everything we want or we're going to shut the government down. And so the Republicans were running around with like, like chickens with their heads cut off. What, the sky is falling. What are we going to do? We got to give the Democrats everything that they want. So they did, including full funding for Planned Parenthood for the rest of the fiscal year. And, uh, you know, it was like the Democrats were in control, not the Republicans because the Republicans are spineless. They've been running around compromising for so long that they don't stand for anything. Stop that, or stop right there. Hold that thought. That's a perfect stopping point because I've got something to say to, to exactly what you just said in response to that. And I know you, you've got uh, some great information to continue with that. Michael Snyder is our guest, economiccollapseblog.com, and he's running for Congress. He, this, look, folks, we got to support Michael Snyder, Idaho. First uh, district, U.S. House of Representatives. This guy can make a difference. The more people like him, the better. And of course, he deserves our support. Remember, right back. Network breaks here, right where you're at. Two more segments with with Michael Snyder. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is? It's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable, it's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces, it's durable, it's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly, yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport because it's so efficient it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire so don't rely on gas or fuel stoves prepare your family prepare for yourself order a Minuteman rocket stove today it's going to make bad times much better folks minutemanstove.com minutemanstove.com need I say more you should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. So I, I got to tell you, folks, it's like 90 degrees where Michael Snyder is standing right now, and he's got these Klieg lights on him, and and he's uh, cooking. And I, I feel for I feel for him because I remember doing this in Orlando uh, for a conference, and the the lights, you know, it, it they just burned through the back of my head, and it was so hot down there. And I know Michael is like standing up there trying not to like fall over because it's the, between the lights and the heat and the lack of AC at the moment, uh, it's rough. So, you know, make sure you tell him how much you appreciate him for toughing this out. And I certainly appreciate, uh, him for toughing this out. One of the most is, in my view, one of the most well-informed and educated, uh, people to talk about the economy. The geopolitics, the, uh, what's going on in the stock market, even, even the threat of war. But before the break, we were talking about, uh, well, we were talking about a number of things. And rather than continue on with what we were speaking of before the break, I kind of want to just shift a little bit, if I could here, because, um, with the, perhaps the biggest story today is all about Donald Trump. It's all about the special or independent counsel. It's all about his actions. It's all about the deep state desire to remove him. And by the way, folks, uh, Economic Collapse Blog is Michael Snyder's website, but he also has a website we're going to give out at the end for his congressional run. And we want to support Michael Snyder for Congress. We really do. We need his presence in Congress. And if I have to drive out to where he's at in Idaho and, and, and you know, grab a bunch of signs or, 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 or pamphlets and go door to door, I'll do that because we need to have him in office. And, uh, I'm sure his friends, family, and, and everyone who knows him think that same way. But let me go back to my question. Let's, uh, let's table what we were talking about right before the break, uh, deliberately. But let me ask you, what in the world is going on with this deep state war against Donald Trump? What are we seeing play out with Donald Trump and the special counsel and the grand jury? I, I got, I probably have, no, no lie. I probably have, 60 emails right now that have come in during the course of the show since you've been on asking me to ask you about this. Yeah, well, what we have is that the, the deep state is trying to get rid of Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump is kind of like a foreign entity that has entered the system. Like, uh, you know, if, if, 
If you uh, get a virus or something or a bacteria into your system and your immune system reacts against it, wants to, you know, kill it, get rid of it, that's kind of what's happened because, you know, for decades the elite, the establishment's been in control of both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. And the deep state, the government agencies, they're run by globalists. They're run by people that are have deep ties to the establishment. And so it's not just the president and Congress, but really the whole federal government, the whole monstrosity in Washington, the whole giant entity is a globalist entity. And all of a sudden, the American people have made Donald Trump, who has shown that he's willing to stand up against the establishment and the globalists, they, the American people made him head of the whole thing. And so there's right now a violent struggle. No, well, it's not violent with guns and bullets, but it is a war. And the deep state wants to get rid of Donald Trump. And so this whole Russia thing is a giant witch hunt. There's nothing there, but they were able to get the special counsel appointed. And when you've got a special counsel, people need to understand a special counsel essentially has unlimited time, unlimited resources, can hire as many lawyers as he wants, pretty much do whatever he wants, look into whatever he wants. And uh, and special counsels in the past have, you know, even if they haven't ultimately found something to charge a president with, for example, they'll always find someone to go after, someone to charge, a Scooty, Scooter Libby or somebody <laughs> to go after. So they're going to find some something to charge somebody with. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yep. With the grand jury especially as well. You know, the old saying, uh, you can indict a ham sandwich. Grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. That is so true because there's no exculpatory evidence presented. It's all one-sided, and it 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 very 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 infrequently does it represent the composition. The composition of the grand jury infrequent in, very infrequently represents the um the the uh, uh subject of the investigation in terms of comparison, you know, peer to peer. So you, you're right, but is this doubling down? Number one and number two, why in the world, Michael? Why, uh, given the fact that there there's history between Comey and Mueller and Mueller and uh, Rosenstein and Rosenstein and Comey, why under uh, 28 CFR 45.2 uh, has Mueller not been disqualified? Well, he should be. I mean, that only makes sense, like you just outlined right there. But, you know, and, and ultimately all these big deep state guys, they have ties to each other, ties to the system. So, uh, you know, a lot of people say, like David Stockman, he just came out and said, hey, I expect Trump to be gone by August of next year and probably by February, probably within six months. You know, um, and, uh, and it may, you know, this Russia thing's kind of going slow as far as the globalists are concerned. And so there, there are increasing rumors and rumblings that, uh, they're not going to wait for this Russia thing to play out, but that they're actually going to go after Trump more directly. In fact, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, he recently, he said that he recently talked to a very high ranking member of Congress, and this high ranking member of Congress told him, that the deep state is going to remove Trump from office and that there's nothing they could do about it. And the, the pastor was absolutely shocked. He was like, what do you mean? Is this going to be a, a physical thing? And, and, and apparently he was told, yes, that it was going to be. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens. But ultimately, the deep state hates Trump because he stands for everything that 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 the deep state that the establishment is for where Donald Trump you know hates their free trade agreements which are trying to merge us into a global 
one world economic system slowly but surely. You know, Donald Trump pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accords. That really rubbed them the wrong ways. All these things that Donald Trump stands for, you know, and the deep state hates him with a passion. And that's why it's absolutely critical. The 2018 midterm elections, I believe, are going to be the most important in history because we need to get Donald Trump some friends in Congress because eventually we could see impeachment proceedings. If the Democrats take control of the House and the Senate, Donald Trump's going to get impeached for sure. But even if we have, you know, if it's close and the establishment Republicans can, you know, push it over the edge, we might see impeachment anyway. But Donald Trump's in a whole lot of trouble, so we need to get him some friends in Congress in 2018, or he might not make it until 2020. You know, I've been watching this play out, and I'm deeply concerned. And I'm not going to give you, um, I'm not going to go on a rant or a long spiel, but the more I look at this, the more I see the inaction of our own Department of Justice under Jeff Sessions going after the, the criminality of, of the Clintons and, and the people in Obama and, and others before Donald Trump. And the more I see them, the uh, ratcheting up of, of, of against Donald Trump for crimes that are ethereal, it seems like. They don't exist. And this is the biggest, as you, as you said, a witch hunt for crimes that, that don't exist. So, um, yeah, I I just have a bad feeling about this. What about the people? How do you feel about the people closest to Donald Trump? Uh, any any concerns about some of the people around him, or uh, do you think he's doing a good job in, in moving people around? Well, Donald Trump has some good people that he's working with, but he's also brought in a lot of globalists. He's brought in some Goldman Sachs guys. He's brought some other people to the White House that are not good. And so he's kind of got a mixed bag there. And, uh, you know, there's people there that'll stab him in the back, I, I believe, if given the opportunity. So it's not a good thing. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump, you know, Donald, but Donald Trump showed us that anything is possible. Donald Trump, what he's done is he's created a beachhead and where, you know, there, he started this revolution, this flame, this fire, and the, the globalists are desperate to put it out and uh, go back to normal. And then if they're successful in extinguishing this flame, then they're going to crack down on the rest of us like never before because they've seen the power of the alternative media. They've seen the power of shows like Hagman and Hagman. And already what we're seeing throughout the alternative media is we're seeing censorship by social media. We're seeing advertising revenues go way down, be cut back. So we're already seeing a, 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 the establishment, the, the, the big internet companies try to crack down on the alternative media. And I know some alternative media personalities, they've seen their revenues go down by up to 90%, they told me personally, because of the censorship, because of the, the different things that they're doing with, with advertising and different things. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're already fighting back against us because they never expected Trump would win. They never expected that the, the alternative media would have such power. So, you know, a number of years ago, they would laugh at us because they thought we were essentially a joke. Right. But now we've gained so much power. Now they're determined to crush us. And the, the first step is to get rid of Donald Trump um, and get him out of office. But that's why we need to help him, support him, help him pray for him, help him to survive. And then get as many people there to D.C. as possible to help him move the ball forward. Amen. Amen. And I'll say this. You're right on the alternative media. Uh, this is something that, that uh, I learned today. 
uh, again, Monday, August 7th, 2017, our revenues from any type of um, um, external uh, AdSense, if you will, and that's not the correct word, but any, any advertising revenue associated with, with uh, our, our public persona, public presence that is associated with, with uh, things like YouTube or, um, you know, website clicks and such, down about 92%. So in the course, by the way, since the beginning of the year, 92%. That's a, that's a huge hit. So, uh, you know, I don't know how, I, I'm sure some of these uh, smaller um, organizations are, they've got to be folding or uh, taking a huge, you know, an equally huge hit as well. But we're also seeing, too, this censorship uh, because YouTube just came out. And I did, did you see this? And I, I'm wondering, I, I think you might have reported on this, where YouTube is parting up with the ADL and um, the uh, two, two other agencies that are Eurocentric to, uh, to, to, to police the content on YouTube. And even if you don't violate, for example, even if your, your content does not violate YouTube standards, YouTube has the right to put you in a limited status where they could delist you and, and make it so hard for people to find your video that it's, you know, it's essentially you're talking to yourself. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. And, and that's part of what they're doing, this war on the alternative media. They want to shut up. It's not liberal voices they're going after, not establishment voices. They're going after conservative voices. They're going after voices that love liberty and freedom, that will speak out against the evil that we're seeing. And this is part of what they're doing all over the Western world, where they're using hate speech to uh, criminalize worldviews and opinions that they don't agree with. So we're in a clash of worldviews today where you've got the progressives, the liberals, the socialists, the communists, whatever label you want to put on them. And then you've got, uh, you know, the establishment, the elite. Then on the other side, you've got people like us that believe in individual liberty, that believe in the Constitution, that believe in, uh, you know, God-given rights and, you know, uh, all the things that we stand for. Uh, and so it's a clash of these two worldviews. And now we believe in freedom of speech. We believe they should have freedom of speech and we should have freedom of speech. And in the marketplace of ideas, the truth will win. That's how we typically approach it. Now, how they approach it is this, that, oh, we, you know, we, we think that the way we believe is right and we want to criminalize the other guys so we can shut them up. And, and, and that's what they want to do. They not only want to, to, to win in the marketplace of ideas, but they want to criminalize us, shut us down, and basically eradicate us. So if we don't win, people need to understand what a critical moment we are in U.S. history. If we don't win this battle, they want to eradicate our way of life, our whole worldview, our, our the, passing our beliefs onto our children. You know, and that's why, you know, we see it time after time. CPS is grabbing children out of homes, out of, from conservatives, from patriots, from, you know, people that have alternative views on things. But, you know, the system wants to, uh, and ultimately they want to use the system to wipe out our entire way of life. So if we don't stand up for it now, there may not, our, we, our way of life may not continue into the next generation. Amen. And, you know, that brings me to, Everything that you said right there kind of brings me to a, a column that you wrote. Uh, of course, our guest is Michael Snyder. His website, economiccollapseblog.com. You gotta check it out, folks. But he's also got another website, michaelsnyderforcongress.com. We'll be talking about that later. But 
But it, what you said right there brings me to a column that you had recently written, and I had a chuckle when I read this, and I thought, this is vintage Michael Snyder. And, and it's, why does the left hate us so much? When you, I don't know, uh, something about that, that specific column that when I read it, it really struck me and I thought, man, this is, I could almost hear you talking like you are right now, uh, when you wrote this column. Why does the left hate us so much? Why do the progressives hate, hate, hate us so much? Given the fact that everything you just said just now kind of leads right into that, is as if almost you set that up to talk about that about the uh, the column that you wrote about the left hating us so much. Yeah, and ultimately it's not about tax rates, whether taxes should be higher or lower, or limited government, which I very much believe in. But you know whether we want to grow government bigger or smaller. But ultimately the left they got a a human centered worldview which is uh, all about the collective. It's about big government. It's about the needs of the, the whole are superior to the needs of the individual. Um, and so, and we've seen this throughout history, whether it, it was in, you know, the, the communist revolution in Soviet Russia or in Nazi Germany, because the Nazis were all about big government. And of course they were national socialist. You know, all it was centered on the government and the leader, Hitler. Or, uh, you know, in China under Mao and their whole revolution. And of course, we, examples like North Korea today, or even in Europe, where it's a softer, gentler kind of socialism, the EU, but it's all about big government and big government dictating, you know, uh, you know, what, what everyone's going to do throughout their lives, a managed society from cradle to the grave where the government is not only just the kind of like the parent to everyone, but essentially takes the place of God. And that's what we have when we have the big government, the progressive ideology, they want to push God out of everything because essentially government takes the place of God. While in our way of looking at things, God is first, family is second, and country is third. And, uh, and our beliefs and our liberties, our freedoms, the U.S. Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were birthed out of a culture of Bible-believing Christians. And it's about individual rights, individual liberty, um, uh, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as the Declaration of Independence says. So it's two completely opposed worldviews. It really is a battle of good versus evil. It's not about Republican versus Democrat or left versus right even, but it's really about good versus evil. It's a God-centered worldview against a man-centered worldview, and it's big government uh, control freaks that want to control and, and tyranny and, and, and manage all of us and control all of us versus maximizing liberty and freedom. So two completely opposed worldviews and those that believe in the left and believe in what they're trying to do, they've been raised from the ground up to believe that they're right, that they have the moral high ground and that we're evil, that we're the enemy, that we've got to be crushed and eradicated, that we're the old way and that they're the new way and their intent on not just winning elections, but ultimately they want to destroy us, wipe us out, and completely change the world into kind of their version of a socialist managed utopia. Man, okay, you, you hit that right on the head. And, and when you look back at the uh, the, the, the different uh, uh, philosophies and ideologies, you can see how we've come up. Uh, and I happen to see a a, a video 
I don't remember where it was posted, but it was talking about the, the quote, failures of capitalism and, and how socialism is there to, uh, to, to kind of pick up, uh, it, it was a, it was a propaganda piece to say the, to say the least, but, um, but, but it's just, it, it's, it's interesting how we are seeing all of this play out all at the same time. And, um, you got different events, but, but getting back to where we originally started, we, we started talking about the economy and of course, economiccollapseblog.com is Michael Snyder's website. He's the man behind that and has his finger on the pulse of the economy. The, the, and, and before the, the bottom of the hour break here, I just want to make sure I get this in because I've been getting, uh, uh, some additional emails wanting your, uh, perhaps they, were, they, they weren't worth us initially, but wanting your expansion on the fact that ex- experts warned that the stock market crash could be imminent despite the high records of, of the Dow. Can you, can you get into that one more time? Because what we're looking at here is kind of a false, um, shall we say a false positive or false, um, propping up of the, of, of the system. But we, we've got a lot of people that are very interested in your latest article considering a stock market crash. Yeah, I mean, if you go back, let's go back two years ago. In twenty, in the fall of 2015, a lot of people were talking about a stock market crash then, and they were expecting it to happen then. But And then we did see great shaking actually two years ago in August of that year, the biggest shaking in seven years. But after that, they were able to recover and prop things up. And they've been able to prop things up longer than a lot of us originally anticipated. Now, as we discussed earlier, there are two main reasons for that. Number one is the stock buybacks by the corporations, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a year buying back their own stocks. But primarily, it's because of the central banks literally trillions of dollars injected it into the system, pumping up stock prices, pumping up bond prices, which Alan Greenspan just came out and said, hey, this is the biggest bond bubble in world history. And when that bursts, I mean, investors are going to lose trillions and trillions of dollars. So he's warning about the, you know, it's the biggest financial bubble in the history of the world, and it's completely artificial. And they've, they've been able, with all this intervention, prop it up. And they've also been propping up the economy by by government debts, but by borrowing from the future, bringing it into the present. For example, during Barack Obama's uh, eight years, that we added more than nine trillion dollars to the national debt. We we are about 10.6 trillion when Barack Obama first became president. 10.6 trillion dollars in debt. Now we're nearly 20 trillion dollars in debt. And so we and we're we've been adding to that debt at the rate of more than a hundred million dollars an hour every single hour of every single day. Now, if you went back over the last eight years and removed all of that excess spending from the economy, well, we'd be in a rip roaring depression right now. But we were able to pump up the economy at least to kind of a no growth level um, by taking all that money, nine trillion dollars from the future, and spending it now. But of course, making our long term problems even worse. And so everything that we've done has just made the eventual crash even worse. But they have been able to keep the bubbles going for a little a little while longer, a little longer than they should have because of it's really been unprecedented intervention by central banks, by corporations, by governments around the world, not just the U.S. government, governments all over the world. And so now we're in more debt than ever before. But if we don't keep going into more debt, more government debt, more central bank intervention, the bubbles will burst. So they got to keep propping it up because the moment they stop, 
we're going to have the biggest financial disaster in history. So they're, they're desperately trying to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. But eventually, every bubble eventually bursts. And we've seen that throughout history. The only question that we're dealing with now is how long they can keep it from falling, keep it propped up. And they've been trying really hard, and they've been successful in keeping things propped up for the moment. But eventually, we're going to reach a breaking point. Do, do you think, because people will often say to me, and I'm sure you get this a lot, well, you know, gee whiz, Mike, I, I, we've been hearing this now for how long, and everything's been fine. Nothing has happened. Uh, so so I, I, I think you're just full of beans, basically. Uh, what do you say to that, given the, just given what you just said? I mean, how do you respond to that? Well, you know, the problem is we all have such short attention spans today where, you know, we're on the Internet, and if a page doesn't capture our attention, literally within a couple seconds, we go into the next page. (laughs) Or if a television program doesn't capture our attention in a few moments, we flip the channel. So we've been trained to have super short attention spans where we don't even think in terms really of of months and years anymore, but days and weeks, you know, are, are the news cycle is 48 hours, and then we'll focus on something, then it'll be gone, and, you know, no one thinks about anymore but really people need to just look back throughout history every time we've had a bubble of this magnitude where you know uh price earnings ratios are the the only time they've been higher 1929 and then when the dot-com bubble burst or price to sales ratios are the highest ever you know uh, at at the end of the day we're going to look back at this time in history and and the question isn't going to be oh did the how long did the bubble last it'll you know uh, ultimately, this bubble is going to burst, whether it's sooner, whether the, whether it's later. But I can understand where people have such short attention spans, and they heard about this for a while, and it didn't happen. They think everything's okay. Well, everything's not okay. In fact, our long-term problems are bigger than ever before. But I can understand how people are losing patience and losing interest just because people have short attention spans. And then the mainstream media, of course, keeps telling them, oh, everything's wonderful. Everything's going to be fine. So... Ultimately, as this plays out, uh, you know, we'll see who's right and who's wrong, and history will be the judge. But uh, in terms of my long-term outlook, it hasn't changed at all. It's just in the short term, the elite and the establishment has been able to prop things up for a certain amount of time, but there's a limit to what they can do. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you on that. And, and it amazes me the, the um, unwillingness of people to really uh, address that issue. Um, we're, we're heading up for the bottom of the hour break. Uh, Michael Snyder is going to be with us for one more segment. So Michael, go ahead and relax. Uh, we, we, we got a, uh, we got a network break, break coming up. You can, uh, step away from the hot lights and get yourself a breath of fresh air. We got about three and a half minutes and then we'll bring it back on. But it just amazes me, folks. Uh, you know, my goodness, it amazes me how, uh, how Michael Snyder can, can go out, do the research, given his, just vast knowledge, his research, his findings, and present it to people and have people say, you know what? I really don't believe it. Oh, you've, I've heard this before. Same old, same song, same dance. But it's catching up to us. And I think a lot of what Michael Snyder said there 
um, with respect to, you know, the limits that we reach. I think it's important to really understand. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report right here on the Global Star Radio Network, also on Blog Talk Radio. We're doing our best to keep up, by the way, because John was in transit. I was sick. Joe was uh, uh, off. We've been just trying to, to, to get the segments uh, spliced up for YouTube. Also, our daily show, my show, 9 to 10, right on Blog Talk and Global Star, and Joe and John's show, 2 to 3, as well, taken off like a rocket ship. Follow us on BTR, Doug Hagman, the Doug Hagman Show, 9 to 10, and uh, the daily show, 2 to 3. Follow us on BTR. And we're right back. See where we're at. Most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HADMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changehostonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Living a life that really matters. 
This is a book by Michael Snyder. I recommend this book. I, I've got to tell you, just get it on Amazon, as a matter of fact, either in a Kindle version or the paperback. I like the paperback. What a tremendous book, as well as all of Michael Snyder's books and writings. And, you know, it just pleases me to say that Michael Snyder is running for Congress, 1st District in Idaho. Uh, he's the there's no incumbent because the incumbent's running for governor, I believe. We're gonna be talking about that before we cut him loose and other things as well. J- just uh, we've got one more segment with him, and uh, folks, I, I feel I, I got to tell you, man. I, Eric and I were talking during the break. Uh, this poor guy's under some hot lights. It's hot there. There's no AC. He's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable because man, you know, it, 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 it's just it, wow. So we got to give him a lot of credit. Really, he's a trooper for doing what he does. And in my opinion, you know, that's uh, uh, that says something about the man because it's easy to say, you know what? Let's just do let's just do audio and forget about the video. So um, it, it's great. But before we get back to Mr. Snyder, I want to mention that uh, uh, I surprised my wife with the and I had Jackie on earlier, but I surprised my wife with a farm stand, farm stand flowers collection from proflowers.com folks go to proflowers.com and in, if you're watching this on YouTube you'll see that blue microphone box on the top right you click on that and you type in Hagman H-A-G-M-A-N-N at proflowers.com and that'll open it up you'll see welcome Hagman and Hagman listeners or something to that effect but I surprised my wife with the farm stand flowers collection this is a bouquet of fresh seasonal flowers hand-picked blooms are different as a matter of fact i can i brag a little bit i'm going to brag a little bit i did it three weeks in a row okay because you know you know how it is when you have major surgery and you're on the road to recovery and it was so easy and so inexpensive and pro flowers made it so easy for me to do it i was a hero three weeks in a row that and, and and here's the deal: the flowers were gorgeous and are gorgeous. As a matter of fact, um, that was three. Let's see, three and a half weeks ago I started. She received her last um, bouquet. It was on Friday last, and I must say that the original bouquet I sent uh, many of the blooms from the original bouquet are with the final bouquet. So she was just really tickled and excited, and we have it in the family room. And, oh, my goodness, in the family room, um, it's closed off, actually, uh, from the rest of the home. And, and it, it just it smells beautiful, the aroma of the flowers. It'll just knock, knock, you, just knock you over. It's just so great. Pro Flowers wants to help you surprise someone for no reason at all while also surprising you with a very special deal for you, my listeners. Get 20% off any of their unique summer rose bouquets or any other bouquet of $29 or more. Their colorful rainbow roses are always a hit if you aren't sure what to send someone. And let me tell you, that's true. Oh, you they will never disappoint. Those rainbow roses are always a hit. Pro Flowers bouquet 
uh, bouquets are guaranteed to stay fresh for at least seven days. I just told you, I'm telling you, three weeks, and some of the original blooms were still fresh and looked brand new. Uh, They'll stay fresh, guaranteed, seven days, or your money back. And you control the delivery date. That's what I did. I was able to, 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 to pick the delivery date in advance. It was so easy. They, they made, ProFlowers made it so easy for me. I looked like a hero. ProFlowers gives you more bloom for your buck. Big, beautiful flowers with more stems for your money. Oh, can I suggest again the Farm Stand Flowers Collection? Oh, let me suggest that. But, but again, 20% off their unique summer rose bouquets or any other bouquet of $29 or more. 20% off summer roses. Any other bouquet of $29 or more. For that deal, go to proflowers.com. Use my code word Hagman at checkout. Okay. Click on the word, click on the mic, Hagman. Do the shopping. And at checkout, use promo code Hagman. That's proflowers.com, code Hagman. Don't, don't wait. Make someone's day. Tell that person exactly just how much you love them with the gift of flowers. You won't be disappointed. Proflowers.com, code word Hagman. Let's get back to Michael Snyder. Uh, Michael, um, before we get to the, the final segment about your congressional run, which I really want to thank you for doing, making that sacrifice, because I know it's a sacrifice, and I know what you're going through. It's not easy. But before we get to that, on the geopolitical stage, what is keeping you up at night? North Korea? What do you think about that? Syria? What, what about that? The immigration? Take your pick. What's keeping you up? Yeah, well, what keeps me up is the neocons, how they, you know, they want to keep pushing buttons. They want to keep pushing us toward war. And, I, you know, I don't think Donald Trump wants a war, but the neocons sure do. And so they just pass these sanctions on Russia, these these very harsh sanctions. And Donald Trump really didn't want to sign the bill, but I think he felt he had to since this whole investigation is about Russia. So if he would have vetoed it, it would have made him look even more like he's colluding with the Russians. So he signed the bill. But, you know, often your sanctions are a step toward war. And already over in Syria, you know, we've been we've been getting into situations where, hey, we've been actually shooting at Turkish aircraft and that could erupt into a conflict with Russia and Iran and everything else. So we need to keep an eye on that. But North Korea is a very serious situation because North Korea, that last missile they launched, well, scientists are saying that if it had been launched at a standard trajectory, a tough word to say, that it could have potentially reached not only Los Angeles and Denver, but even Chicago, so half of the continental United States. And so that's alarming because we don't want North Korea to have a missile where they could send a nuclear weapon and hit one of our major cities in in the western half of the country. But on the other hand, well, people are saying, well, why don't we go in and just bomb them? Well, the problem with that is that North Korea's honeycomb, literally, with underground tunnels and, and underground bunkers, and so there's no way we could take out all their nukes with a first strike. And even if we knew where all their nukes were, which we don't. So if we go in and we hit them, well, they promise they're immediately going to start firing back. And so imagine just a single nuclear missile hitting Tokyo or a, a nuclear weapon going off in Seoul, South Korea, 10 million people, 20 million in the vicinity. And it's not just nukes. North Korea has some of the biggest stockpiles of of chemical and biological uh, weapons on the entire planet. 
And so, and they have uh, thousands upon thousands of artillery pieces and rockets. And so they could literally turn Seoul, South Korea into a sea of fire very rapidly after we hit them. And so members of Congress have even said, hey, if we start a conflict with North Korea, literally we could be looking at a scenario where millions of people are dead. And so, I mean, it's like the kind of nightmare scenario that people don't even imagine or think about these days. But if we hit North Korea, that could actually happen. So, yeah, we don't want North Korea to be able to threaten us with ICBMs, which is what they are developing. But a, a, a direct military strike on North Korea would be an absolute nightmare as well. So I actually don't know if there's an easy solution to this problem. But it, I think Donald Trump and his administration, their patience is running out. And they are actively talking about a military option in North Korea. And if that happens, who knows what's going to take place. You know, this this whole situation is frightening. Neither one of us have crystal balls, and certainly um, we don't we don't know what the future holds. We can only uh, we can only uh, provide our analysis based on uh, previous or past performance, as well as um, you know current events. And, and yeah, I, I'm troubled by this. Uh, I'm troubled by the fact that no one is able to corral or has been able to corral. Uh, Kim Jong-il and, and the, the fact of the matter is he's a creation of the in my view anyway the neocons who have uh, permitted this um, who have done nothing essentially but allowed under this watchful eye him to accumulate this technology despite despite the uh, uh, you know despite the uh, appearances to the contrary but I think I think that's an in-game Scenario to, to, hey, the war machinery has gotta, gotta be fed. You gotta feed the war machinery. That's just my thoughts. As we wrap up here, uh, Mr. Snyder, and again, Michael Snyder from economiccollapseblog.com. He's written for like forever. He's a very prolific author. His books, uh, I recommend all of his books. And of course, let's wrap this up, Mr. Snyder, by talking about your congressional run and then we'll cut you loose here. Um, Michael Snyder for Congress.com. What can we expect from Michael Snyder? How can we help? And uh, what can we do? Yeah, well, we need a lot of help. I'm running on a Ron Paul platform. That means that, like we discussed earlier, I want to shut down the Federal Reserve, and I also want to shut down the IRS and abolish the income tax. Now, if you go back to 1872, between 1872 and 1913, we didn't have an income tax. We didn't have a Federal Reserve, a central bank. Was it a major disaster? Was it horrible? Did everything fall apart? No, it was actually the greatest period of economic growth in all of U.S. history. Free markets thrived. They're all kind of inventions. Our country did extremely well, and we can do that again. But then, of course, in 1913, the, the Federal Reserve was created, and then they said, oh, we need an income tax to help fund all this debt and everything else and these social programs we want to do. And at first, it was just 1% on most taxpayers, and now look what's happened. So, you know, once they get in the foot, foot in the door, the big government people always want more and more and more. And so that's what I want to do. And But not only that, you know, like Ron Paul, I want to dramatically reduce the size of government. Now, when a lot of uh, politicians, they talk about limited government, 
what do they mean? They mean, well, let's keep it about the same as it is now. Let's keep it from getting too much bigger like the Democrats want to do. We'll just keep it about as big as it is. This giant monstrosity we have right now, maybe we'll reduce it slightly, but about as big as it is right now. While me, I believe if we were to cut the size of government in half, that would be a good start. So to me, the question isn't what government agencies we want to close, but rather which ones we really need to keep open. You know, so because, you know, what we, we need to swing the pendulum back from this giant federal government we have today where every new law, every new regulation, every new government agency restricts our liberties and freedoms in some way. I want to swing it way back in the other direction where what our founding fathers intended was a very limited central government where liberties and freedoms are maximized. And one of our rights I really want to restore is our Second Amendment rights uh. where, you know, Republicans get into office, you know, Democrats take power and they advance their anti-gun agenda. Then Republicans take power and they think, well, the status quo is fine and dandy. It's not good enough. We need to go back and repeal a lot of these gun laws that were passed under Democrats. And I'm, I'm talking about laws that have been on the books for decades, like the National Firearms Act of 1934, the Gun Control Act of 1968. We need to fully restore our, our uh, gun rights. We need a, a very strong stand your gun ground law in all 50 states. And I would abolish the BATFE, which has been used to harass and go after gun owners literally for decades. Man, yeah, I, I, I so agree with you there. And it's interesting you want to go back that far to address the gun rights issue. And I think we need to because we're talking about a constitutional issue. It's a right to, to, to bear arms. And it's, it's one of those things that has been so convoluted by the courts and, uh, the public perception of this has been so adversely affected. Uh, people don't know really what the truth is, but with lawmakers like yourself getting into office, I do believe by you getting into office and addressing this issue, uh, we have, we stand a chance at, at the very least. And, and I applaud you for that. How can people help you? What do you need people to do to make sure that, uh, that, that, that you get in office here? I mean, what's the best way? Call you up, volunteer, wax your car, you know, help you with the groceries. What do we need to do? Well, we need lots of things. If you live in Idaho, we need volunteers. We need people to come and help the campaign. And you can go to michaelsnyderforcongress.com, sign up for the email list, sign up for on the volunteer page, because we need manpower. Another thing we need from people all over the country is help spreading the word about the campaign through email, through social media. We need Facebook warriors to go on there, spread the word about the campaign, say, hey, We've got someone who's running on a Ron Paul platform, and we want to get this out there and get people excited about what he's trying to do. And, of course, we need resources. Now, it doesn't take a ton of money to win a campaign up here, and there is no incumbent, like I talked about earlier, because right. the individual who owns holds the seat now is running for governor. So that no one – there there's it's an open seat. It's an open primary, and that's the key is winning the primary next May – because the general election will go pretty much to whoever wins the Republican primary because this is a very red state. So we need, but we need to win that primary, but we need resources. So if you'd like to donate, contribute to the campaign, go to michaelsnyderforcongress.com, 
click on, you know, con- on the contribution page and, and you can make contribution by, uh, credit card, by check. If you want to send a check, you can send it to Michael Snyder for Congress, P.O. Box 1136, Bonners Ferry, Idaho, 83805. Um, you know, or, you know, you can send, you know, if you, uh, well, just want to reach out to me by email, you can email me at michael at michaelsniderforcongress.com. But yeah, God has put me in this position. It's very humbling. And if you wanted to do this just to humble me, the mission accomplished <laughs> because it's been a humbling process. And I've always been very independent, self-sufficient, but I've been put in this position where there's no way in the world that I can do this on my own. So I need help. I need support. And so I'm, I'm find myself forced to reach out and ask others to help me out. And so if you want to reach, if you want to reach out and help me with this, your help would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I, I got to ask you, your wife, your, excuse me, your, your wife behind you? Oh, she is. She is. Miranda's behind me a hundred percent. She's excited about what we're doing, but also, uh, you know, I don't know that she fully realized that now we're in the public eye. Oh, yeah. And people are going to say bad things about us. People are going to say bad things even about our daughter. So she doesn't like that part of it. And so she's been feeling the strain a little bit. I've been feeling the strain a little bit. And so, you know, I think we were a little naive. We thought, well, maybe we can get into this and be above the fray, and maybe they won't attack us like the other guys. <laughs> but they are, and that's okay. It's, it's part of the territory. But we believe God has a purpose in this, and we're going to proclaim his truth. And even if it was just fighting for the unborn, you know, since 1973, nearly 60 million children have been murdered in this country. And if we keep doing this, if we keep going this direction, if America keeps uh, pursuing this path, there's not going to be an America. And so, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm making the pledge that I will never, ever, ever vote for any bill that includes even a single penny of funding for Planned Parenthood. And I'll use the full power of my office to go to war with Planned Parenthood and do whatever I can to shut them down and make sure they never rise again. Um, and if we could get every Republican lawmaker in this country to make that pledge, we could start making a real difference. Boy, I'll, I'll tell you, um, Michael, that to me, it's, it's music to my ears, and I do. I, I hope and I pray that things go the way you want them to go, that you are, that, that you prevail in the primaries, prevail in the general, and the next time you're on, uh, or not the next time, but uh, at some point in the future, you're on as a member of the House. And I know that you can do good things, great things, as a matter of fact, especially given the fact of your pro-life, pro-Constitution stance, your Ron Paul platform. Mr. Snyder, thank you. I know it, I know it's uncomfortable for you with the lights and the heat. Thank you for being part of our show, and do check back with us throughout the uh, between now and the primary, and and let's and and, and let us know how you're doing, and uh, whatever your needs might be, so we can elevate you to that level and change the course of American history through your efforts. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. Always such a pleasure to be on. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Michael Snyder, EconomicCollapseBlog.com. Michael Snyder for Congress.com. And you know what, folks? It takes guts to put yourself out there and to run for a position like that. Uh, and it takes guts for him. And it's a sacrifice for him and his family. And it's, you know, when he says, and he's being so modest too, 
Uh, gee, I didn't think anyone, you know, didn't really quite the bargain for what we're getting. But you know what? Um, when you put yourself out there and all of a sudden you're this public figure, and I know the little bit from my experience on the, of this, um, it's, it's like, man, I didn't sign up for this. And holy cow, what, what an incredible, um, battle in which we are engaged. So Michael Snyder is at the tip of the spear and we're going to be watching him very closely, supporting him for his congressional run in Idaho. So proud of Michael Snyder and so glad that he's a part of our team, the constitutionalist, the, uh, uh, the Paul platform, the people for smaller government, the pro-life. Thank you, Michael Snyder. Thank you, Mrs. Snyder. Thank you, Snyder family, for what you are doing. And that, see, this is how we can enact change. Our next guest coming up at the top of the hour is going to be Peter Barry Chowka. And, uh, he's a gentleman that, uh, uh, I, I've got to tell you, has, just, he understands the landscape of the media. And I had done, uh, I was off Friday night, uh, Sick as a dog, a sick dog, as a matter of fact. And, and Saturday it kind of cleared up, and I uh, felt better. And then Sunday it kind of hit me again. And today, kind of, you know, it's it's so. But I got to tell you something. As I was watching, and, and during my downtime, I, I picked up "Tragedy and Hope" by Carol Quigley, and I'm reading that. That's some light reading, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in looking at the social, or what will the, uh, looking at the, uh, at, at the plans, the, uh, Keynesian economics versus the Austrian economics, the, looking at the, uh, at, at, looking at how everything has been laid out, structurally laid out to this point where we're at today by the leaders, by, by the leaders bringing us to this point today. Parties don't matter. It really, it, 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 I gotta tell you, parties don't matter, the objectives do. Um, but I said all of that to say this. We are right now fighting a spiritual battle that I believe is, is being waged against, against the Christian conservatives. And, um, but we can win. We can win this battle. As long as we all stick together and as long as we elevate one another. And we, uh, and this is why I asked Jackie to come on just, and, and really folks, I've got to tell you, the first segment, I kind of like just dragged her and says, here, sit down. And she's like, wow, 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 what? But, um, when we were talking about the different, uh, the, 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 the different things that are, that, that are being shown to us, the memos, the, the fact that even some of these memos are still redacted by the session state department, all of this, and, and my question is, what, what do, what are you seeing, Jackie? What are you seeing on social networking? People of the younger generation, what are they looking at? And, and she said something which really was right on the money because I had gotten emails, uh, about this as well. The email, a couple of emails, but one said this, I would rather watch a five minute, five minute email or re, read a couple of, uh, uh, tweets, then listen to your program, your hour-long program, okay? And this is a three-hour program. 
Okay, but, but, but I'm, I'm thinking, wow, that seems to me. And I asked Jackie before when when we were doing uh, work in the office. I said, I asked her. I said, is this representative of what you're seeing out there? And the short answer is yes. Whatever acronym she used for that, uh, uh, I can't. I, I don't recall what it was, but uh, that's what people are looking for. And it's it's it saddens me to see that. But nonetheless, the point well point well made, I believe. Before the top of the hour break, I want to mention that a professor in Canada who refused, and this came out last week. I don't know whether you saw this. Uh, who refused to use general neutral pronouns and criticized social justice issues was banned from using his Google and YouTube accounts last week. He regained access to them a couple of hours later without any detailed explanation. But this professor, uh, Jordan Peterson, of the University of Toronto. Now think about this. This is a professor. He's got like 350,000 subscribers on YouTube. They use, that's used for his, um, uh, the platform to post his lectures and it's, it's some interactivity there. YouTube banned them, outright banned them because no, I'm not going to use these general neutral pronouns. This is what's coming right now to this to this country. This is what's already here, I should say, in America. It's just going to get worse and worse. The reason I bring this up is because we all need, as we need to, as, as we have to stick together, as we go down this road, we have to make sure that we're all on the same page. We have to have we have to open different lines of communication. We have to go to plans B and C to make sure that the continuation of our program. Your, um, just, just this whole endeavor that in which we are involved continues despite the opposition. And having said that, I want to thank everyone who has helped support us financially and continues to help supporting us financially. Thank you. That's so important. It is so important right now, given the fact that we are so far, we're, we're outpacing our supply lines. So we ask for your help. And in advance, thank you for your financial help. Just go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the, uh, where it says donate. We ask for your, for your support. And if you can't give, give the support, just talk to somebody else about the program. Make mention that we're on three times a day now and, uh, share the information that we provide. Use us to whatever and whatever way we can. And if you can't do that, then please pray for us. Folks, network break. Back with Peter Chalka right after this. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Hagmanreport.com and American Thinker. If you, in fact, if you click on the description in the in the BTR in the archives section, you, it'll take you to Peter uh, Barry Choka's archives of the American Thinker. We're developing a system of archives as well. Um, he's one of the most prolific writers I've known, and he's got his finger on the pulse of what's really taking place with respect to the media, American media. And it was last week where I was talking about the 93% CNN, MSNBC talking about Donald Trump in the negative versus 52% Fox in the positive. And I so wanted to get him on the air and talk about those numbers as well as the latest at Fox News because, in my view, Fox News is that speed bump, is that gate, is that last bastion. Yeah, because that 52% that Fox News, once that goes, uh, so too does our ability. Uh, I mean, so too does... Anything that remotely resembling fair and balanced, and the target, in my in, in my opinion, as we've talked about so many times, is to take down Sean Hannity, and the person, the very person, to talk about this and other things, is my good friend, and I'm very proud to be able to call him a, a good friend, a good friend of the show, a very prolific writer, and a very intelligent man, Peter Barry Chalka. Peter, thanks for joining us. And Thank you, Doug. It's a pleasure to be with you again. And I really appreciate it. We got you got your picture of your cat up there. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, Peter, in this morass that we're looking at with respect to the accusations flying now, uh, the, the sexual harassment accusations, uh, where, where do we start? I mean, what's going on here? What in the world? Can you can you help me out with this? Um, I know you're. I, I know you know what's going on uh, better than anyone. So, where do we even start? Well, I have spent a lot of time over the weekend trying to nail this story down. On Friday evening, uh, an article appeared in the Huff Post, the former Huffington Post, a 900-word article by a writer who uh, was obscure, to say the least, using the pen name of Yashir Ali. His full name is Yashir Ali Hedayat. And... Uh, he wrote this article about Eric Bowling, one of the key on-air hosts at uh, the Fox News Channel. Eric was hosting until Friday, or through Friday, the 5 p.m. program uh, called The Specialists. And he also had a Saturday morning financial show, Cashing In. But he's uh, worked for Fox News and Fox Business Network for 10 years has emerged as a reliable conservative and a strong and vocal supporter of Donald Trump. He also released a new book within the last month called The Swamp, which is doing quite well. So out of the blue comes this article in the Huffington Post, and uh, it alleged that Eric Bowling several years ago had texted a lewd photograph of male genitalia to two or three of his female colleagues at Fox News. And the writer of this article claimed that he had 14 different sources at Fox News to confirm that this actually took place. And he didn't name any of these sources, and interestingly, he didn't quote any of the sources, his alleged sources, even anonymously. There are no quotes in the article. It's a poorly written, ridiculous article on any level. And yet, as soon as it was published, and this is on a slow news night as well, and usually, uh, especially in summer and in August, uh, the news cycle really slows down. But this was red meat for the mainstream media. And immediately, the media all over the United States, and in fact around the world, had jumped on this story that, Eric Bowling was being accused of this and that. And uh, actually, before Friday night was over, the Fox News Channel had suspended Eric's program for the following morning when it was supposed to air on Fox News. It had already been recorded. They pulled the show. They substituted a live news show instead. And by the next afternoon, that is Saturday afternoon, Fox News released a statement, a terse statement, one sentence saying Eric Bowling was suspended from all of his on-air activities at Fox News until his case could be investigated by the law firm Paul, Weiss. The reason it's described as Paul, Weiss is the entire firm's name is long, including a number of names. So whenever it's referred to, it's Paul, Weiss in short. Now, this is the law firm that was called in by Fox News executives over the past year to investigate 
other executives and on-air personnel who were accused of sexual harassment or whatever. In every single case after this internal investigation of these individuals like Roger Ailes, Phil O'Reilly, and several others who are lesser known, uh, they were all terminated. So no one has withstood an investigation by the Paul Weiss lawyers. And I don't know if it's coincidental, but this is a very democratic law firm, that is Democratic Party. Approximately 85% of the campaign contributions given by the attorneys in this firm go to Democrat candidates. And the firm just uh, crowed, as I described it, that they hired former Homeland Security Cabinet Department Director under Obama, Jay Johnson. They hired him on January 23rd, uh, three days after he left the previous regime, to be one of their top lawyers. So this is a Democrat firm through and through. Looks to me like it's doing the dirty work of the Murdoch boys, that is the sons of Rupert Murdoch, who basically are exerting tremendous influence on Fox News now. They are left of center. Their wives are even farther left of center. And I think they're uh, engaging in a scorched earth policy there. And Eric Bowling is now in their targets. Now, to advance the story a bit, I started looking into this individual, Yashir Ali Hedayat, who wrote this Huffington Post story. By the way, he told another journalist that he spent three months researching the story and developing his sources. And, uh, Doug, I know that you often work with sources. In fact, each of us, you and me, we've developed, uh, I think, one source each at of all places, Fox News, right? And you know how hard it is. It's not easy to develop a source, one source, at a place like Fox News, considering the climate of fear that is now ruling that place. And so for this character, Yashir Ali, who, well, I'll talk about his track record in a minute, his background, but for him to claim that he's developed 14 sources were willing to spill the beans to him, basically a nobody who is a leftist on top of it. I mean, this just boggles the mind, in my opinion, that this could be accurate and true. But let's uh, look I at agree. Mr. Uh, I agree. Let's look at Mr. Ali Hediyat for a moment, just okay. to, to to wrap him up with a bow. This guy is a political operative. Uh, he's from uh, reportedly, according to the Cleveland Plain Dealer. He's from a wealthy family in Illinois. He didn't go to college. Instead, he went to Hollywood to try to work in the film industry, and he has a short list of credits working on uh, some TV series and a couple of obscure films. A behind-the-scenes person, it's hard to tell what he did, but not any kind of major work, so it seems. And in uh, 2006 or seven, he started working for Democrat candidates. In 2008, as a bundler, he raised six figures for the campaign of Hillary Rodham Clinton when she ran that year, 2008. The next the next year, he got a job paying $131,000 a year with San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom, political appointee job. He only kept her for three months because then he shifted over to Newsom's campaign for lieutenant governor which was a a successful campaign. If you look up uh, Yashir Ali, his pen name, 
or Yashir Hedayat, Hedayat being his last name. Right. The Federal Election Commission lists him as having given tens of thousands of dollars of campaign contributions in his own name to Democrat candidates. So at some point uh, after around 2012, he moved to the East Coast and refashioned himself as a writer and started writing for the New Yorker magazine, the Huffington Post, and uh, I forget what the third one is on his credits there, but some other left-of-center publication. And he doesn't have a very large output, but you know, I, I, I think the story that he is putting out there and that the rest of the media has accepted without question, if it came from someone like, uh, let's say, Bill Carter, who for many years was the respected New York Times reporter on the beat of television news. He wrote books about the subject, obviously had sources, and worked for decades on that beat. Say, well, you know, his track record, maybe it's a story with some real legs to it. But this guy is a, a political operative, a Democrat extreme left-wing operative, and at the very least, uh, he's got to be questioned. But meanwhile, when we see what this one hit of his could accomplish, a 900-word article with no corroboration, no evidence, no names attached to it, and no substantiation immediately resulted in Eric Bowling, uh being a, a, very, a step much closer to losing his entire career that he has worked 10 years at Fox News to build and before that at CNBC, and before that uh, on Wall Street, where he was a mercantile trader. So this is absolutely scary and alarming that uh, an individual like this Ali Hedayat, with uh, an extremely poorly sourced article and an extreme left-wing publication, could have this kind of impact literally immediately yeah. the the rapid um how quickly this happened really kind of surprised me and and by the way uh peter uh folks our guest is peter barry chowka and uh uh peter we're going to forego the uh bottom of the hour network break because we just have so much to talk about and i don't want to waste any any words uh and then certainly any time uh, because there's just so much, and the implications are so, to me, so significant. But I, let me step back for a minute here. You're talking about Eric Bowling, but you're talking about accusations. If if I if I understand this correctly, that are years old, right? I mean, this is not this didn't happen last week. This happened several years ago. Yes, Let's, this was the this was the quote of the writer. Several years ago, this happened. Now, let's assume, you know, immediately when I read this story and started reading the uh, any a number of the thousands of articles and media reports that have now come out about this case in the last three days, uh, and of course I started thinking, well, what are the possibilities here? And I thought, well, maybe one possibility is if the reporting is accurate to some extent, how about this for a possible scenario? A few years back, uh, Anthony Weiner, the former representative, was uh, exposed, <laughs> no pun intended there, several times for tweeting pictures of what was described as his junk. Uh, 
right. pictures of his genitals, right? So I thought, well, I, like many other journalists, uh, not for any purient interest, but just wanting to see what's going on here, I looked for those photos. I was out of curiosity. And I can't remember if I found them or not. Probably better if I didn't. But, you know, <laughs> bowling in the position he's in, my, if he, I'm sure they were passing them around at Fox News. What if just innocently he texted one of them to one or two of his colleagues and said, hey, look at this. This is what all the hubbub is about. Oh. I mean, would, would this guy really, would Eric Bowling, with his intelligence, I mean, this is a guy who goes to mass every day. You know, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know him personally or what his, his intimate background is, but, you know, I'm assuming there that's one possibility. Uh, another, of course, is that the story is entirely made up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, suggesting that is how come we haven't heard any rumors about bowling to this point, and how come nothing has been on the record even since the story broke, with the exception, I might add, something that came out Saturday. And by the way, listeners and viewers who really want to get into this, I've got three articles at HagmanReport.com about the Eric Bowling case. The latest one I uploaded just a few hours ago, and I uh, it's a it's a re-edit of an article that is at American Thinker too. But this is redone for the Hagman Report, and I put a different title on it. The title is Hottie Socialist Professor Joins Attack on Eric Bowling and Fox News. Because I'm able, when I write for Hagman Report, to update articles as the news breaks. So this is the lead today, in my opinion, that on Saturday and since then, a socialist, feminist, really communist professor named Carolyn Heldman, Ph.D., uh, who teaches politics, associate professor of politics at Occidental College. And that school, of course, is one of the alma maters of Barack Hussein Obama. He started his college career there. It's a very left-wing college in Los Angeles. And uh, Professor Heldman, between 2008 and 2011, was a frequent guest on the Fox News channel, by her own count, several hundred times, most frequently on Bill O'Reilly's program, where she was invited on time after time, essentially to debate Bill O'Reilly, because she was very far on the left, and he was kind of center-right. So she was his foil. Uh, now, she, in her Facebook post on Saturday afternoon, two days ago, dipped her toe into this Eric Bowling story and thereupon grabbed her new 15 minutes of fame. She said in this post that uh, Bowling, uh, at some time in the past, she didn't specify when, uh, had had her on his program, I guess on the Fox Business Network at that point, and had uh, called her Professor McHottie on four occasions, this was according to her sexual harassment. And he called her up supposedly after these broadcasts and apologized, but then invited her to come to New York so he could, she could be on the program live in studio. She interpreted that as sexual harassment. He invited her out to dinner, which she interpreted as sexual harassment. And finally, she alleges 
I guess when she was in New York at one point, he took her on a tour of his office at Fox News and allegedly commented that that was the venue where he liked to have sex. So uh, this is the sum total of her charges that Eric Bowling is a uh, sexual deviant who is harassing women all over the place. Now, meanwhile, you know, I, I, I hate to bring up uh, Professor Heldman's uh, personal background, but she's put it online herself. She's a radical feminist, and, of course, she's a lesbian. A couple of years ago, she tweeted a photograph of her and her, quote, wifey. Now, recently, I found another current bio of her online at one of her sites when she describes her partner by one initial, and that initial is not the same as the wifey from two or three years ago. So is this relevant or not? I don't know. She's bringing up uh, bowling's alleged uh, sexual predilection, so I think her life is fair game as well. But in any case, uh, this is the sum total of what we have to this point, three days, not even three days into the story, about three days into the story, with vehement denials by Eric Bowling and his attorney, Fox News throwing him under the bus, the news media uh, smelling blood in the water and out to take him down, because the larger picture here, to cut to the chase, is that this is part of the the big picture of the, the attempted takedown of President Donald Trump. Eric Bowling is a vocal supporter of Donald Trump on the Fox News channel. It's almost like one by one we are seeing vocal supporters and executives who are conservative and support Donald Trump being weeded out of Fox News. And what are we going to be left with? Well, another one, by the way, who's on suspension for the last five or six weeks is Charles Payne. He had a nightly show on the Fox Business Network. It's an African-American gentleman, another Wall Street, uh, successful financial background in Wall Street. He's been in the media for a number of years now, very, very popular in his appearances on Fox Business Network and on Fox News Channel, where he appears quite frequently. Well, about five weeks ago, actually it was July 5th, the National Enquirer published a uh, story alleging that he had had a, a, an adulterous relationship with a uh, Caucasian female guest of Fox News, which ran for three years, which uh, he claims, he admitted it, he claimed it was mutually consensual, uh, the woman, who I will not name at the moment, she has been named out there, but I'm currently not naming her, she uh, insisted to the Inquirer and elsewhere that he was harassing her, saying, you've got to have sex with me or I won't have you on my show or whatever. But this went on for three years. And uh, again, I, th there was no evidence presented that uh, what she alleged, namely harassment, which would be the potential civil action in this case or something that would give Fox News license to fire this man, Charles Payne. Uh, I haven't seen any evidence to that effect. Now, again, he's being investigated by 
this uh, law firm, the uh, Paul Weiss group. Paul Weiss, yep. He's still on suspension. In fact, at his Twitter, he continues, Charles Payne continues to tweet many times daily. He's piled up 75,000 tweets since 2009. <laughs> so he's averaging about 30 or more tweets a day. He's taken his Fox News identification off of his Twitter page, so he's probably seeing the writing on the wall there. But, you know, he's another major takedown, assuming he doesn't return, because he has not been as vocal uh, in, in terms of supporting Trump, but he's a very, very vocal conservative, an articulate conservative who, of course, departs from the norm uh, of most African Americans who you see on television or, or read their analysis who are in the tank for the Democrats and Charles Payne is not. He's a self-made man pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he's a conservative and, and uh, a damn good articulate one. Hmm. So here we go. There's two hits and uh, of course they have their eyes on uh, or that is the enemies of uh, Trump and of Fox News. <clears throat> Excuse me, have their eyes on Sean Hannity next. I mean, it was last week, last Tuesday when I was on, where the breaking news that day was uh, the news, uh, the update on the Seth Rich case and former Detective Rod Wheeler and the then emerging effort uh, to uh, boycott the advertisers of Sean Hannity's program on Fox News because uh, he dipped his toe in the Seth Ridge case and uh, his enemies say he's guilty for even going there. Now that seems to have died down for the moment. I don't know if that story has legs. I mean, the way things are going, these stories, this full-spectrum assault that we see, stories come every day, sometimes several a day, and it seems like the end of the world, and then do they survive to the next day? Often they don't. That's At true. the moment, this Eric Bowling story is still there, and uh, who knows if it will be there tomorrow. I mean, any number of things could happen. I mean, you were talking with your last guest, among other things, about what's happening vis-a-vis -vis, uh, North Korea. By the way, I, I, I want to acknowledge something uh, Michael Snyder, your previous guest, said, because when he said this, I, I wrote it down immediately. I think this is an exact quote. He said, they want to use the system to wipe out our entire way of life. <laughs> and I thought, that really sums up what we are talking about. I mean, he has the gift of putting it into a soundbite, and there it is. Exactly. And that's why, and I'm so glad that you're on to explain this, just like Michael Snyder really encapsulated that, when you and we together talk about what's taking place within the media and specifically with it at Fox News and um, you know making Sean Hannity the uh, enemy and of course the hit on bowling and others um, I, I think you know I think everyone needs to take a few steps back and realize that all of these little not little but all of these incidents are, are part of a larger mosaic of, of, of puzzle pieces that um, they, 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 they want to destroy everyone around Donald Trump, ultimately taking Trump down and taking, taking away, changing our way of life and, and 
of course, are attacking our constitutional republic. But, but, um, and I said this on, on on my morning show, and I quoted you or or referenced you in this. Don't you feel as if Fox News or Sean Hannity? That's kind of like the last a stopgap between complete negativity and complete okay uh, we're going full progressive 24-7 the the only person really that's standing up for our constitution is Sean Hannity perhaps Tucker Carlson and a few others at at Fox News but the real tip of the spear is Sean Hannity and that's the real target here and once they get rid of him of course uh, taking, taking down Donald Trump will be much easier that's the bigger picture and that's why we're talking about this isn't that kind of the where we're at here with this absolutely uh, a few years ago we couldn't have said that because a few years ago we hadn't sunk to the level that we have now with the mainstream media I mean the mainstream media now for all intents and purposes is a complete uh, propaganda matrix for the deep swamp or the, or the, <laughs> the deep state the Washington swamp and the New World Order, put whatever name you want on it, the forces of evil have captured the mainstream media. And as you said in in introducing me, uh, a week or so ago, the study came out of Harvard University analyzing the coverage. I I I guess it was a little longer than that, but analyzing the initial coverage during the Trump administration of the major electronic media. It was in, yeah. Right. It was in the mid-90th percentile of negative reporting for the top media, and then it went slightly down from there to about 52% for Fox News, meaning pro and con Trump. By the way, I don't know if you saw this study, which I think came out yesterday uh, by, I think, the University of Kentucky. I, I haven't had a chance to go into the original study, but the Market Watch uh, report on it uh, analyzed uh, the trustworthiness of a variety of media, both online and print and electronic, in other words, alternative or independent and mainstream, according to how people trust it. And the number one most trusted media, according to this survey, was The Economist, the British publication. Number two was just generic public television. Number three, Reuters. Number four, the British Broadcasting Corporation. By the way, this is a United States survey, so go figure. (laughs) Numbers five and six were national public radio and public broadcasting. And I don't know why public broadcasting would be listed as both number six and public television as number two. I have to delve further into this. But at the very bottom, coming up least trusted was Occupy Democrats, which I'm not familiar with. The next least trusted was Breitbart, followed by, no, I'm sorry, BuzzFeed, followed by Breitbart, followed by social media, followed by Trump himself, I guess his tweets, and then Infowars, Yahoo, the Internet, and the Huffington Post. So this could be another ridiculous throwaway survey, but I thought... Wow. I thought it was it was interesting, and I do want to... They, they claim... I went to the website for it today, but I just didn't have a chance to start delving into all the minutiae and the, the raw data, but I'm, I'm going to try to look into that to see if I can make any sense out of it, but it's... 
looks like it might be a mildly entertaining read to see how they came up with and, these and figures. Tell us again what that poll was, because I, I want to look into that as well. What was the it's, name? Uh, the name of well, the, the Market Watch uh, story, which caught my eye, was titled, These are the Most and Least Trusted News Sources, published August 6th. And uh, okay. let me see. Okay. Uh, According to a survey from the University, I'm sorry, the University of Missouri's Reynolds Journalism Institute, and there's a link in this uh, Market Watch article to that Journalism Institute. I don't know where I got Kentucky from, but okay. the University of Missouri's Reynolds Journalism Institute. Now, I mean, right on the face of it, how many people in the United States read The Economist or exactly. listen to the BBC, and even I mean when. NPR and PBS wind up near the top of this list in terms of most trusted. I really have to scratch my head. I mean, PBS, which has Charlie Rose and until recently had Bill Moyers, and of course, even their nightly newscast is slanted to the left. And, uh, the, you know, on top of that, their, uh, most, most cities now have three or four PBS channels with a new digital spectrum. Right. And, uh, you know, around the clock, they are running documentary after documentary, program after program. It's bash America, hate America, hold up the third world, you know, attack, uh, I mean, support Black Lives Matter, you name it, revisionist history 101. So, you know, I, I really, I, I really want to look into the data of this survey, but it's, uh, you know, probably doing or wind up doing an article on it. V- very yeah, interesting. It's, it's yeah, really crazy. Uh, yeah, and, and you, you mentioned the Economist. Uh, okay, um, as being the most trusted in this case. Um, boy, that should set off some alarm bells there. But, but that aside. Um, Okay, I, I, and I want to look at that. I want to look at that as well. Um, getting back to the bowling story just for a moment, because I I got a couple of emails here. I, I see come in. Um, when, uh, essentially, Carrie is asking uh, about the bowling story. She writes, "Wasn't his last, or wasn't? I'm sorry, wasn't his primary accuser?" Uh, didn't this happen six or seven years ago, and nothing since? Why now? Why? Why are they? Why? Why is he being accused now? And if so, why was he suspended, given the uh, length of time uh, since the accusations were made? So th- that's a good question. It is. I tried to nail down when this allegedly happened, and the only thing we have to go by is the writer of the article about it. That is Yashir Ali Hedayat, mm-hmm. writing under the byline Yashir Ali. And he said several years ago. So I guess it's whatever the definition of several years is. It's more than two or three, less than whatever. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's again, on the face of it, it's, uh, it, it seems ridiculous. And by the way, when looking at Yashir Ali this article appeared in the Huffington Post, or Huff Post now calling itself. And I confirmed again today, which I thought I'd read in the past, but supposedly the Huff Post continues to not pay any of its contributors. 
Zero. Nada. So Mr. Ali Hadiat told another journalist that he spent three months developing this story. So he, he's either living on, maybe he's a, a breathitarian or whatever it's called, you know, he can live on <laughs> air alone, or somebody else is paying his way. And uh, we've seen who, who's, well, he's helped to pay the way of in the past, these Democrat candidates. So it's not a stretch to wonder, uh, I say, in my opinion, who might be supporting him now since he doesn't seem to be getting it from the Huffington Post or HuffPost, which he is writing for. So, uh, you know, this whole undertaking, this whole enterprise, his story and the aftermath, it raises more questions than it answers. But a reason to pay attention to it is it is significant. It it shows how anybody, any of us, high to low, can be taken out by what Sean Hannity once called a kill shot. Yes. I guess that's, yes. A, that's a hunting term, but it's very appropriate in this case. Somebody can, like this character, Ali Hedi, I can come out of the woodwork and uh, through one article, 900 words, unsourced, in a far-left publication, deliver what looks like it may have been a kill shot on, on somebody whose reputation was unstained, untouched before Friday night. I mean, this is absolutely mind-boggling and should chill the pl- the blood of every American, whether they're on uh, the left or the right. Exactly. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you on this. And as I looked at the... Um, as, as I, uh, I dissected the, the story as much as I could um, and read your updates on this, and folks, Peter Barry Chaka is our guest. You know him, good friend of the program. I reference him all of the time. He's got his finger on the pulse of the American media, specifically Fox News, as they represent this this uh, roadblock, the speed bump of the, of the uh, takedown of the uh, uh, conservative viewpoint. Um, when I looked at this, so, of, of course, the so-called sexting aside um this this whole situation with specifically with with mr bowling has got um has, has got to me is, is is i i don't know the, the the length of time the character of the witnesses allegedly and the um thinness of the evidence to me um well, I just, I, I just, I just have a hard time with this. But it seems almost as if are they trying? What the, are they going to try to do this to Sean Hannity, or can't they do this to Sean Hannity given his reputation? We already saw one lunatic come after him, saying that he uh, skimmed money from, uh, um, you know, the the benefits one of the charities, exactly, yeah. and then you know. Uh, basically, essentially, walk back. These are my words now: accusations of impropriety to uh, accusations of just being creepy. Uh, mm-hmm. So, having said that, uh, is you know, is Sean Hannity the, the next target? And if so, is it going to be? In the, do you think it'll be in the same fashion? Because he seems to be above reproach in this kind of stuff. Well, until Friday, I think we would have thought Eric Bowling was re- above reproach too. Uh, 
I, I think it's possible for uh, the enemies out there to try and to maybe succeed to take anyone down at this point. And uh, Sean Hannity must be worried every morning when he gets up and checks the news to see if he's not going to be the next target. You know, I want to make this uh, aside here when, uh, as we're wondering, well, what's going on here with Fox News? You know, I, I dial it back to May of this year when um, uh, the uh, obese member of the five, uh, whose name is now Bob escaping Beckel. me, um, Bob, Bob, Bob Beckel. Yeah. Bob Beckel, the, the liberal you love to hate, was rehired by Fox in January after a stint in rehab and then a, a short uh, time with CNN. He was brought back to the five with much fanfare in January. And he appeared three or four nights a week on the program, The Five, which was still on at 5 p.m. And uh, lo and behold, in May, he was fired within minutes of allegedly using a racial slur or intemperate language to address a an African-American Fox employee who reportedly had uh, entered his office to try to uh, help him with a computer problem. Now, my sources told me he did not use the N-word, and it was never reported what this alleged racial slur was, but he was out of there uh, before the end of the day. Now, at the time, I thought, well, maybe he got what he deserved. Now, I'm not so sure for two reasons. Number one, this shows the hair trigger that's going on there at Fox now. I mean, if you're accused of something, you're out of there. Number two... uh his replacement almost five days a week now on the five, especially as it's gone to 9 p.m., is Juan Williams. <laughs> and if given a choice between Bob Beckel and Juan Williams, I'll take Bob Beckel any day. In fact, interestingly, Beckel uh, was and presumably still is a close friend of, of all people, Sean Hannity. Yep. And Sean Hannity has vouched both publicly and privately for uh the integrity of Bob Beckel. I mean, those two guys have bonded. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to sit here in judgment of Bob Beckel as, as a, a person. I couldn't stand his his political persona on there. But, I mean, Juan Williams gets much more airtime than Beckel ever did. He's more smooth-talking. He's more convincing. And he's, therefore, more of a, a threat, I think, to clear discourse, where Beckel was just so off the wall you can immediately dismiss him and go on to the other four members of the five. So I wondered if this was part of a strategy on the part of someone there at Fox News who thought, hey, we'll play a little musical chairs here and we'll wind up with a stronger left-wing liberal on that show, the five. But the five I am uh, kind of happy to see is not succeeding in its new primetime slot at 9 p.m. It's Losing most nights in the ratings, although I think on Friday night uh, I, I checked the ratings right before I came on here, and uh, as I do every day. But um, I think the five may have won its time slot on Friday. It's kind of a yo-yo ratings battle now. It's a war of attrition with the prime time and even the full day ratings uh, among the three news channels, Fox, CNN, and MSNBC. But in the long short haul here the last three months. The five is not doing well, and I predict that there's going to be a schedule change before the fall comes around, and I wouldn't be surprised if the five uh, 
moves elsewhere, maybe even back to 5 p.m., and uh, there was a shift in the prime time schedule. You know, this is one thing, and I've, I've, I've intimated this during my program. Uh, you've got very, well, you talk with people that, uh, you, you talk with a number of people, including uh, some household names. I've got a source comparing notes. It seems like the notes are, it seems like the information is, is pretty consistent with each, with each other. And I go back to what you said about this uh, this gentleman who uh, wrote this article, 14 sources over the course of, you know, the length of time. Okay, i got to tell you, I know what i got to do for my source. And, it, it, you know, it, um, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I worry, but um, it, it's, a, it's almost, it could be a full-time job taking care of one. Absolutely. You, you know, um, I just, I, I just, I'm looking at this, and there's so much wrong with everything that's taken place. Peter, there's just so much wrong, and I know that. Uh, uh, I just, I, I know that the, there's so many vulnerabilities. I believe, but especially at Fox, which represents to me the microcosm of um, the larger context. I mean, you get rid of, you get rid of, for example, you get rid of Sean Hannity. Fox is going to go progressive. That happens. Donald Trump doesn't have the flack, the the, the cover, the, the cover fire needed to continue his agenda, and it's an easier takedown of Donald Trump. Had you know, Sean Hannity will say uh, been uh, salvaged or kept. And but but we're what's really what really is striking to me. Is we're seeing the, the biggest threat, in my view, anyway, coming from within, within that corporation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oh my word, um, the, the, the period <laughs> coming from within. You know that that brings to mind the coming from within destruction of the United States, wasn't it? Nikita Khrushchev who said, uh, "You'll ba- basically you'll bury yourselves." You know, we can't defeat you militarily, communism that is, but the change, the transformation will ultimately come from within. And what have we seen in the United States over the past four or five decades? The change to collectivism, socialism, and communism come from within. Until now, it has a stranglehold on pretty much every area of modern life. And one of the last areas to go is the mainstream, most popular media, which shines a new light on Fox News. As I said earlier, this were a few years ago. I mean, I can remember back to 2007, 2008, I was monitoring the ascent to power of Barack Hussein Obama very, very clearly for about a two-year period. And I was frequently checking in with MSNBC, which at the time was kind of like Fox is today. It was pretty much fair and balanced on the whole, at least its news coverage. And a look at it now, it's a complete propaganda arm for the left, as is CNN. I mean, CNN is arguably worse (laughs) than MSNBC. It's it's unbelievable. So this means that out of all the mainstream media, either print, broadcast, or cable, 
Fox News Channel is the last one left that is fair and balanced, as proven by the uh, Shorenstein Center at Harvard study, which right. found its coverage of Donald Trump in the first three months of his administration to be perfectly fair and balanced, while the others are off the charts to the left, unfair. So oh, that's man. what, you know, and th this has changed. I mean, I, I started writing intensively about the cable news wars, and Fox in particular, only three months ago in yep. May. Yep. And the landscape since then, of course, I've learned a lot more in over those three months, but just looking back at it, the landscape has changed radically in three months. You know, I, I think back to the 1990s when uh, talk show host Art Bell introduced the term the quickening. Yes. Meaning the pace was kicking up so fast and technologically and information and we were just going to lose control. Or even looking back further to 1970 with the publication of uh, Toffler's uh, Future Shock uh, and that word went into the lexicon. I, I think now we're into post-Future Shock where the full-spectrum assault on us, on our bodies, minds, and spirits is total now. It's coming from so many directions. You know, toxicity uh, in the food, in the air, in the water, the toxic news, the insanity of the coverage that we are subjected to, the popular culture, which people absorb incredibly to an incredible extent is, is absolutely the sewer. And, you know, an example there being, I mean, we talk about, we focus on the cable news uh, industry, the cable news channels. Well, the reality is that on any given night in the United States, only one out of 35 adults over the age of 18 who is watching television is watching one of the three cable news channels. One out of 35. Because on any given night, between five and six million American adults are tuned into the cable news channels, all three of them. And there are 240 million, roughly, American adults ages 18 and older. So it's about one out of 35. So the other 34 who are watching TV are watching any uh, of the other hundreds of channels and uh, getting their kicks from that. I mean, more power to them if that's what they're into. You, sports is very popular on cable TV. Uh, reality shows, movies, old and new. Uh, you but, know, but, but that's a significant... I, look, I, I think what you just said there is very significant because, look, I remember uh, coming of age with um, uh, Huntley and Brinkley and Cronkite. Uncle Walter. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the numbers back then, it, uh, well, compare it to 1 in 35 today. Uh, okay, there's really a, a dynamic change that has taken place. And right. that speaks directly to um, the education and the information uh, and the control, I, I suppose, the control mechanisms. Because I, I think I think the for at least in one instance or in in one example, the um, deep state 
whatever that you might consider that to be, uh, uses the media as the cho- choke point for the truth. And, and I think, um, wow, that, that, that number just is stunning to me, 1 in 35. I was thinking of exactly what you're talking about earlier today, Doug, and I was remembering that when I was coming up, late 50s through the 60s, uh, most major cities in the United States had three over-the-air broadcast channels, the network affiliates. The larger markets, the larger cities, had a handful of independent stations. In the New York metro area where I grew up, there were, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven channels that you could get. One of them was non-commercial. It later became public broadcasting channel 13, WNET. There were six commercial channels. Starting in the late 60s, early 70s, a handful of UHF channels started to be added. Yep. But they were harder to receive because it required a different antenna and the signal was weaker in that end of the band. But all those years, the networks held sway and they would cover things like the political conventions every four years, gavel to gavel. Yep. I was sitting there in 1964, the first year I really paid attention to politics. Glued to the TV, I watched uh, 100% of the coverage as it was broadcast every moment of the, the political conventions, the Democrats and the Republicans, just eating it up. And they would do daytime programming of the platform committee hearings, and Huntley Brinkley would be anchoring on NBC and Cronkite on CBS and pretty much the whole country was tuned into that. If you were watching TV, that's what you would be watching because there was nothing else except on a handful of independent channels. But it was kind of the the national unifying glue. We were all tuned into it. And and plus, with with the limited options that Americans had then, they actually did real stuff in their lives. They went to meetings, fraternal organizations, town meetings, political meetings. They gathered, they debated, they got together with friends. Now we're much more isolated with our individual devices. First, we became isolated by our own TVs. A lot of kids were given their own TVs for yep. their room. Yep. Now it's everybody from age, starting at age two, if not earlier, has their own cell phone on which younger people are accessing almost all of their media. They're not even watching conventional television anymore. They're watching clips, YouTube videos, uh, Facebook, things tweeted on their phone, and maybe they're sometimes binge-watching a hot series on their phone, but we're in the midst of a major technological transformation barely more than 10 years into the smartphone phenomenon God only knows where this is going, but I don't think it's going to a good place. And it's been so fragmented. Our, our media landscape now has been so fragmented with narrow casting that a top show now will get a rating of uh, uh, what a, a one or a two in the uh, the demographic, which means one or two million viewers. It, it used to be, you know, there were shows in the past that got. 50% of the total viewers would be watching a hit show. Right. Now Mesh. it might be 3%, yep. 5% at the max. Yep. You know, something like uh, one of those uh, uh, America's Got Talent, you know, the new singing star shows, whatever it was called, that most popular one there. 
can't even remember the name of it. I never watched these things, but uh, you know, where a, a new vocal talent is discovered and that's the hot show of the moment. Even those things don't get very big ratings. Yeah. Uh, people are watching sports, movies, porn, whatever. So it's uh, it, you know, it, and, and yes, that does contribute to the dumbing down because there's uh, most of it is not intellectual. I mean, I was really interested in your conversation with Jackie at the outset. Uh, and it, you know, I, yeah, they, this this kind of brings us right back to that that acronym: <laughs> too long to listen or too long to read. And isn't this is isn't that what this is all about? Just to bring this yeah. full circle. Because that's in the back of my mind as I write these articles, and I think, who's actually gonna even if they start this article, are they gonna finish this article, <laughs> or if they click on this link to a podcast or or a video podcast? Does that? How far do they actually get before they switch to something else? And you know, at least maybe they got to start. But I mean, that's the reality. What she was expressing, and I, I was happy to hear you uh, get into it with her because it's really valuable insight that we have to recognize and try to deal with it somehow. We have to reach people where they are and say, "Hey, here's a wake-up call." You know. Uh, Pay attention to this, and and how do we package that so that it is uh, it is attention grabbing to an extent. It's interesting. Maybe what? Well, yeah, no, it's interesting because we look at statistics for um, uh, people who download or uh, who listen live and who also listen by archive, but don't download our shows. And we're talking in the in the upwards of hundreds of thousands. And there's something called an abandonment ratio and there's also a completion uh, completion uh, number abandonment and completion and it's interesting to to take a look at those two numbers um it, the abandonment meaning somebody who doesn't finish the listening to the entire program or a section of the program is broken down in sections um it, it's it's growing not our show but in general and the completion is lowering so in other words what Jackie was talking about is the the primary demographic is more interested in thirty. Se- if you, if I can't get my news in thirty seconds, or if I can't if if I can't get what I want in forty five seconds, I don't even want to listen to it, or I'll turn it off. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And it's similar to a web page or website statistics, where you find that uh, someone might click on a page. And then you see that uh, they spent maybe 10 or 20 seconds there. Yeah. When it would obviously take longer than that just to skim the content of the page. So you realize that they're just uh, grazing through and quickly clicked on to something else. So it's uh, it's a challenge and it's a, a dilemma. I mean, there is still a market, obviously, for long-form reporting because some of the major publications like Vanity Fair and others run long articles unfortunately usually from the the far left but um, you know we can only do what we can do and and try to reach the people who are out there and and just do our best and and I've got to say that and folks um, of all of the authors for the Hagman Report Peter Barry Chalka has crashed our servers because of the traffic more than any other author out there so Congratulations for him, uh, because he, he writes great articles and uh, very informative articles. But 
Uh, I, I really want to thank you for coming on. We're at the end of the program. And, and you know, I think we all really need to, to pray for and to push for, uh, Sean Hannity and even drop him a, a line or send him a tweet, uh, letting him know that you stand behind him, right? Good. Uh, Absolutely. His Twitter, his Facebook, he's active on both. Very easy to find. And also prayers for Eric Bowling. Yes. Uh, if, if the worst is true about him, I'd say it's on a scale of one out of ten. Whereas somebody like Bill Clinton is 10 plus. So let's get real here, folks. Eric Bowling, at the worst, is guilty of hardly anything at all. And I doubt he's even guilty of that, quote unquote. Thanks for being there. Thanks for being the watchdog that you are and the gatekeeper that you are and the investigative journalist that you are. And thank you for your, your written reports to the Hagman Report as well as American Thinker. Peter Barry Chaka. Thank you so very Thank you, much. Doug. I'm and going to keep them coming and uh, look forward to our next conversation. All right, sir. God bless you. Folks, until God tomorrow. Bless you. All right. Stay safe. God bless. Thank you, Todd, Global Star Radio Network. Thank you, BTR, Bob at BTR, and Maria. God bless you. And it's Blog Talk Radio. Until tomorrow. Stay safe. May God bless you. Thank you.